Welcome back, everyone, to the Book and Life podcast. I am going to be on today with the Instagram genius of books and promotion, and I just adore her videos. In fact, I think Hubby has gotten sick and tired of me disappearing for 20 minutes or more watching all the feed that I get off of her. Um, and yeah, so I am more than delighted to announce Kay, the book lover. But before we do that, I just want to remind everybody to check out Marianne Curley's The Guardian Fourth Book. Make sure it's on your shopping list uh, because number five is very close to publication and we would need to know what's going on before we get there. And uh, Ethan's very interesting this time. So, welcome to the podcast, Kay. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. It's fun. You know, I, I was saying to my friend, because my friend, uh, she loves your your feeds and I told her you were coming on and she was like oh my god how did you get her and I went I asked bookstagrammers <laughs> uh, are people too yeah I yeah. you know we just I don't know we want to have fun just like everybody else does and I think it's like I mean I get this particularly as an author like when people realize you're an author or you're an influencer or you're part of like that sort of world it's almost like they hold their breath they take a step back and then they're like you become almost like this famous person that they just don't know how to talk to and yeah. I, I find that so weird I find it so 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 weird it is so weird too because I don't look at myself or like think of myself as like a I guess a big deal as far as like Instagram goes like I, I'm just there to chat books and have fun and and so I don't I guess I don't think of myself as an influence. Well, you here. certainly are. I mean, I, I it was so funny because I said to Sarah Humphreys um, last night before we recorded, I was like, I said, I wish they, like, you know, one day, like, you know, you've made it when somebody does something on Instagram with your book, right? And it's like such an author thing that we have where we're like, yeah. we check the feed to see if anyone's like done something stupid with one of our books or funny with one of our books. Yeah. And she's like, she found one the other day and she's like, it was like one of her first ever releases and she loved it. Um, and on, I was like sitting in the corner stiffly. I was like, no one actually uh, has done that with mine. <laughs> so like, I felt like I was not part of the club, <laughs> but no, it's, it's fun. It, it makes, I always think it makes life interesting when you can scroll down and you can see other people that love the books that you love mm -hmm. doing something fun with it. And I, I just love some of your videos. Like, I'll watch them and then I'll be giggling in the car and my hubby will be like, what are you watching? Nothing. What were you saying? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm terrible for that. My husband uh, will watch my videos. And he actually loves that I started a bookstagram because, bless that man, he is so supportive of my book reading. But also, I think for a long time, he was so tired of me, t like, gushing over my book boyfriends and, like, all the characters I love. Of course. And, and now he's like, I'm so glad you have other people you can talk to that have read the books instead of me just going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh -huh. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's and and here, here's the thing, like, what people don't realize is I'm a huge reader as well. Yeah. I have, like, I have bookcases all over my house. Yeah. So my husband is... Like, every time we move, there's almost this great big sigh that comes out of him, and he's like, oh, all those boxes are going to fill the spare room again, aren't they? Yep. Because I never realized how many books I had 
till I moved house last time, and it was literally half of my spare room from the floor to the ceiling oh, was yeah. just books. And then he was like, we started moving my bookcases, and then my bookcases fell apart. Oh, no. So my hubby was like, bookcases for Christmas. Yep. yep. It's so easy to buy for bookcases. So we just moved states last year um, for my yeah. husband's career. And I've always wanted like gorgeous bookshelves. Like it's been a dream of mine, but I loved, I, I had hand-me-down bookshelves and I would find yep. them free on Facebook marketplace and paint them and rehab them. I loved them. Um, but when we moved into this house, he bought me, you can see them back. Yeah. Here. There was a stunning and the listeners, if you can't see this, they are the most beautiful white shelves you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then she's got all of them decorated. I envy that because when I look at my shelves, I always feel bad because mine's a like, I have them upright if I read them, and then I have them on their sides if I haven't read them because that's the only way I can keep track. I have and my hubby's like different the same. TBR. Yeah, yeah. You have to like. I mean, I have a, like a TBR pile beside my bed that my lamp sits on, and it's like taller than my actual bedside table now. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I can reach the lamp anymore. Or the <laughs> well, can you reach that for me, husband? Because. <laughs> I can't reach that book. Yeah, I, I, say, I say that to him all the time. Or, like, I go into this, um, our local town has the most gorgeous little place called the Book Nook, right, in Sterling. And it has just wall to walls of nothing but bookcases with everything you can imagine. And it's all, like, most of them are recycled books, so you're not buying them new. You're getting, like, people who have gone into the shop, they just want rid of the books. And I am terrible for coming back with, like, two or three because it's like the best prices. I'm 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 really good. I will say to myself, no more than three. Because if I come in with more than three, my husband will flip out. Um, <laughs> because he's like sick and tired of building bookshelves. And it was so funny because on my wedding night, I was sitting in my hotel room reading, and my best friend stopped by, and she was like, "Why are you not in bed?" Uh, I'm reading. And she's like, what are you reading? And the worst thing was she was... She's stopping by on her wedding night. <laughs> I know. I was just like... She was stopping by to see how I was because she like totally thought I would do like runaway bride style or something. Oh. And I'm like, no, but thank you. <laughs> this is weird. And then she's like, has a full 25 minute conversation with me about what I'm reading. And I'm like, college books that are boring. Like I was reading Othello... Which is, a, if anyone knows, is a domestic murder, right? Classic. It's a travel novel, in, you know, set in America, but, like, before America was America. So it was, like, the beginning of all the plantations and stuff. And I, it's brutal. It's a brutal book. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I sitting reading a br- brutal book on the night before my wedding? I should be reading a novel that's, like, got wedding stuff in it. Uh, so, yeah, my... My best friend, she's like totally, she comes and she rummages through my bookshelves all the time. She'll be like, um, I fancy something to read. I'll go see Crystal this week or something. All right, okay. Yeah. I've also had babysitters that have been like watching my kids and they'll be like, yeah. do you mind if I look at your books? I'm like, no. Um, sorry. I have a kitty that is, you might hear him in the background. He is. He's something else, but just to warn you, there is a little kitty that meows. Oh, I have two, and I'm lucky right now they're out cold. Because <laughs> last night I had, like, one red in my head the entire podcast. 
and he just kept saying mama yeah and I'm like I had to mute it at one point and go shh you know <laughs> like get shot of him just like and my hubby actually ended up coming into the room picking him up and walking out the room with him because it was like the only way I was going to get peace was if he actually physically removed him from the I was like this is ridiculous but yeah like Totally, I am fine with dogs. I've had kids run into podcasts. <laughs> so, you know. We have lives. Yeah, we have lives. And that's that's the whole point of this. Like, this is why I don't, everyone goes, oh my God, do you spend hours editing this? And I go, no, because I wanted to reflect our real lives. Like, mm-hmm. this is what would happen if we were sitting down for a cup of coffee. Yeah, you would see And my, then they go. Yeah. My cats run through. This one's the biggest attention problem oh yeah and and there's nothing worse than when you're reading and you've got like a furry face sticking up headbutt the book and you drop it or they bounce it right into your face is the other one oh that is the most adorable ginger i've ever seen yeah or do you know like my one actually ran away with one of my books really i was sitting and i was mortified he did it i was sitting uh in bed and I don't know why, but I turned to Ian and I was asking him a question and he literally just closed his mouth around the book and just picked it up and took off with it. The worst thing my my puppy did, well, he's not a puppy anymore, he's four, but um, when yeah. he was a puppy, he ate one of my signed Cheryl and Kenyon books. Oh, no. That, yeah. That's devastating. Yeah. That is, I, I know that one personally. I yeah. That's, at that point, I was like, no books on the bottom shelf. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've got a niece, and I am I'm dreading her coming to visit because my bookcases look like climbing frames. And I swear she's going to, and she loves to reorganize everything. Like, she does this at her granny's house. She takes all the books down, and then she, like, reorganizes them. And it got that bad that, like, her, her gran had to move her books into, the, like, the dining room and had to hide them almost. So that she can't find them because I got her like leather bound gold embossed copies of Agatha Christie's novels. Yeah. So like really old classic ones. So she's so scared they're gonna get ruined. So she hides them. Yeah. But no, I know the I know the pain about the Shirley Kennan ones because I have a few of hers signed too. I would I would I would have died to have lost one. But to be fair, my kitty has nearly destroyed my Archeron one, so I'm gonna have to like get a replacement at some point. So I did, I, I used to be a nail tech and uh, I had a client that borrowed my Asheron and two others and she never yeah. found them. So they're my ones that are missing out of my set. I've got to replace them now, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. Like, I mean, I've had um, family friends, um, or sorry, my husband's family that borrowed books and then they fell out with us and I never got them back. And I'm like, I just wanted to be friends with them for two more days to get the books back. <laughs> I'm like you could fall out once I get the books back. But yeah, yeah, I, I had. I don't really lend out books after that happened. Like, no, you can't. You can't. Like my best friend gets away with it because I know it'll come back eventually. Yeah. You know, and it usually comes back in a better condition than I lent it to her in. Or maybe she replaces it if she knows she damaged it. Because that's like if I borrow yeah. a book from a friend and let's say because I'm I'll be honest, it's like my guilty trait. But like I'm a spine cracker on mass paperback. So am I. Yep. I feel like I can't read them unless I really get that book open. So it's only on exactly. my books. But um, if I borrow a book from someone and I accidentally like bend a page or bend the cover, 
I am the person that replaces the book because I'm like, they didn't so do it much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was like, luckily enough, I'm the one with the collection. So I don't feel too bad if I bend, bend my spines and break them. But my husband, like, he says sometimes it's like sitting next to like a, a skeleton because all he'll hear is crack, crack, yeah. the, husband, the spine. Like, yep. Yep. Book, if I, if it, it gets opened completely and he hears it, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I I mean, I've, I'm doing that, like, I've gotten a hardback book from a publisher, because um, I'm reading the Fiona Cummings new novel, and it is so good, it is such a thriller, and it's actually out on the 19th of this month, so this this podcast doesn't come out until May, but it's it's funny for me, because I'm just devouring it, and I usually struggle a little bit in books, but I am devouring hers. Uh, my husband's like two o'clock in the morning, and all I can hear is crack, crack, and he's driving him mad. He's like, because especially when I'm sitting there telling him, mm, this officer's kind of twisted, and he, you know, he's just like creeping into his dreams and stuff. And he's like, seriously, you need stuff. But he did buy me, um, I don't know if you'd use this if you read at night, but I get a neck, like a neck torch. They are fantastic things because then you don't have to have the lamp on for your husband, and it's just like it sits here. And it shines right into the book and you can have it all different colors and you can have it all like different tones. So it's not like too bright and stuff. It is like the best, I think, eight pound he ever spent. I was just like, wow. At night I read, I actually read a lot on my Kindle. Um, Yeah. I have arthritis in my hands and sometimes those 700 page books are really hard to hold for a long time. So yeah. I am guilty of owning multiple copies of books or I'll use like, um, I don't know if you have the Libby app out there where you're at, but um, like here in the States and in Canada, I know that you can use the Libby app. Um, yeah. So I use that a lot. Like if I, like let's say Crescent City, for example, like that's a big, it's a hefty book. It is a hefty, hefty book. Yeah. I think I got 75 pages in and I was like my hands, cause I have arthritis through like my thumb and my index finger the most. And so yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't hold this book anymore. And so I totally like downloaded it on my Kindle and read. You have to sometimes, yeah. Like for me, I use, um, I have like a wedge pillow, which is okay. so helpful. And I just like, I'll lie with my knees up in it. So like it's, you know, like I'll lean it against something. And then that way I'm not physically having to hold it. And then I might just set my elbow on it. Just like if it's like being difficult. But that's why you push the spines like you you forcefully open them because then they don't like flap over and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I've got arthritis like my entire body, like whole body. My suggestion so. to any reader that reads in bed is get an adjustable bed. <laughs> so I, I want one. I do. And my husband's like, no. And I'm like, oh. it is a game changer. So we just bought one like a few I don't know, maybe six months ago. So I, right. my whole life, you know, I've had a standard bed. Well, we've had a sleep number bed, which adjusts as far as like the firmness goes. Yeah. But now our best bed actually like sits up and lays down and our feet come up. And both my husband and I are like, why didn't we get this before? Like, this is amazing. But then I set it up even higher to read and like, lean, yeah. and, like I can recline in the bed and then he is at his position or whatever that he, cause ours is dual. So we can each be at a different level and He's like, yeah. why did we wait 15 years for this? This is amazing. <laughs> I know, like, and that's what I was saying to Ian. I'm like, Ian, uh, you know, with adjustable beds. And he's like, no, because then you have, like, a gap in the middle. He's, like, worried that the gap in the middle will make him fall in or something. So, and I'm like, mm. The top is split. 
So there yeah. is a gap at the like the very top of the bed. But we yeah. have an issue with it. Um, other than like when we're snuggling, one of our shoulders sometimes winds up in the crack, and then I'll be like, "Wait, we gotta." That's adjust. what. Yeah, that's what he's like. That that was his worry, and because we're snugglers, we're really bad for like. We watch Netflix. Like I'll put something on, like Riverdale or some something that isn't too girly for him. Because I tried him with Bridgerton, and I've learned to regret that one. <laughs> but if we're watching like NCIS or something like that in the bed, I'm not, this is why I said to him, "I'm like, let's save up our money, get a proper TV bed, but also make sure it could like bend and stuff." And he was just like, "No, have it adjust at the top." Yeah, like adjust to the top. And, you know, and I said to him, I'm like, it'll be fine, but I've still got a standard bed right now. So I love it. I've I lost that it. argument. You but can, I will you, win it. You can send him to me at my DMs and I can tell my husband to reply back to him. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. A good yeah. And, oh, I mean, at least I would get rid of the body pillow because, like, I don't know if you've tried this, but for like aspirations, it's one of the best things that was ever invented. Because you can, like, lie your joints on it, and it's, like, floating in a cloud. And it was, like, the first time I tried it, I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. So, yeah. Stomach sleeper, though. Yeah. Like, I... It's good for that, too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's really good. Because, like, I do that as well. Like, there's times where I'll just, like, flat on my stomach, and it's just, like, floating on a balloon, almost. It's like you're just floating on a cloud. And mm-hmm. I have found it's, like, so much better to sleep. The only problem with it is, like, if your husband rolls over the middle of the night, they always end up bashing into it. Mm-hmm. That's, like, my hubby's big argument with it. He's like, I love that you're not in pain, but I hate the ma- like how much space you now take up in the bed. Like, you and I'm like, well, you, you know, you can't win here, hubby. Like, either you're complaining that I'm smacking you in my sleep because I'm rolling over, or you're, co- you know, you're complaining I'm taking up too much room. Yeah, there's no win. There's, there's no win. Like it's always there's always something. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna end up with his own bed at this rate. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, next room. This is mine. His own bed because I'd be cold the entire night, and I'd be like, see, I know because like I never realized like because we've been together like 14 years now, oh and God, last. And it's great because, like, I he is like a literally a walking boiler, right? The cats love him because he's warm. They like to like they like to have a tent, so he makes like a little tent with his legs, and mm-hmm. then they sleep in the tent under his legs, like for hours at a time. And then the other one will sleep at, like between his feet with his head on his foot, right? Yeah, cutest thing ever. And but he warms the bed, so I like to like like get him to go to bed 15 minutes before me and then there's no need for like hot water bottles or anything because it's nice and warm but he also has this weird thing of no electric blankets so even if like if he wasn't there I'd have to put an electric blanket on there because it would be the only way to get the bed warm enough to feel like he's there so yeah I'm terrible for that too so let's uh let's talk books because that's where we're you know that's what we love um So, what is the book that you've read recently that has stuck with you the most? Like, that has invaded all other books that you've been trying to read? Um, it depends on my mood. Because I'm, I'm oh. a very, like, hardcore mood reader. Um, as far as, like, that fantasy, paranormal stuff, um, 
I would say the Zodiac Academy has like absorbed into my soul. Like I'm obsessed wow. with it. Um, I binged, let's see, I binged like the six, the first six, cause the seventh book wasn't out yet. I binged yeah. the first six, I think within two weeks. Like, and they're hefty books. They're like, they are hefty books. Yeah. They're chunky books. Um, so those ones, as far as like kind of contemporary ones that own my soul, I would say like the Ravenhood series by Kate Stewart. Uh, I, I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. I still am not over Exodus. Like <laughs> if I start to talk about it too much, I will start to cry. Like it's, it's, it's hard though, like, because people just don't get the emotional connection that you can sometimes get with these things. And that it is so hard to like pull out of it. So I totally get you on that. Like for me at the moment, I just, I've been reading crime because I have crime authors coming on and I, and it's like, I'm just sucked into her world of like, all these people are lying and you're trying to figure it out. And it's like, ah, Funnily enough, like, I'm fine. I, I can sleep fine, but I'm, like, almost, like, though I'm, like, mulling it over in my head saying, like, wait, I know, like, more than one of these people are lying, but I can't figure out who. So, like, because, like, Fiona's Cummings book is completely taken over. I was reading Shiver just before, uh, the second Shiver's trilogy novel, just before I started reading hers. That one's kind of stuck with me. But I would say, like, um, I don't know if you read Stolen by Kelly Armstrong? Um, no. Eh, wow. Oh my god, Shifters. Love it. Is that the one the where the, wait, is that the one where the bitten TV show is based off of? Yeah, but it's nothing like the show. Well, books are always better than shows. Yeah, of course, they're always better. But it, like, I still really watched the show first. I watched the show first, and I... I think I have the book. I just haven't read it yet. But I love oh. Shifters, so it's amazing that I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah, but it it was like it was awesome. I started reading it, thought I was gonna hate it because it was like the show, but my friends were on at me like, no, 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 read it, trust us, trust us. And I read it, and I was just like, oh, I love this. Picked up Stolen, and then it was just like, I had to stop because I had to read the crime book for the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, but it has like lingered with me because I'm like how is she going to get out of this situation this time? Like, it has got me on the edge a little bit. And I love her shifters, too. Like, I love the fact they have to get butt-ass naked every time that they want to shift. <laughs> like, I just love that part. I'm just like, when they're like, right, I have to go find somewhere to strip. Yeah. And you're just thinking to yourself, like, that's got to be awkward, like, to go and find I'm a space. You my butt today. Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> Oh, I you know Jeremy's like my my father figure, so I'm just gonna go get naked in front of him. <laughs> you know, it's like a couple of times I literally like, looked at the book funny as to say, did I read that right? Like, yeah. But it is funny. I'll move that up on my TBRs as to be read for sure. Because like I thought, like because some people said she was like a Shirley Cannon, but like Cammer, I would say she's as good as Shirley. Like, it's okay. the same level of concentration and detail that she puts in. Yeah. They are big-ish books. I wouldn't say they're massive books, but they're good-sized. Like, they're big. So yeah. Sherilyn Kenyon and J.R. Ward are, I would say, the two biggest authors that really made me love the paranormal romance genre. I'm with you on that. I have so with read you on them that. 
I mean, I've been big fans of them since probably 2007. I know Ward was at least 2007 when I started yeah. her. Um, Cause I fell in love with rage from black dagger brotherhood. If you've been yeah. on my Instagram, you know, this is a thing for me. I've always been yep. a big rage fan, but I love him so much because there's so much of his personality that is so much like my husband's. Um, uh-huh. like the way rage, his humor and the way rage talks about muscle cars. My husband was car guy too. And, um, yeah, just like his, it's very much like rage's humor is, is very similar to my husband's and, um, the way my husband is with the kids and, and stuff like that. I've, I've loved Ward and Cheryl Kenyon for a long time. They've been big. I've been big. So hardest question ever, which is your favorite Shirley Kenyon guy? Ooh, for a long time, I would have said Kyrian. Um, yeah. I think yeah. he was like that first one that I really fell for, but I think it's because, you know, that's book one, that's world building. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really fell for um, Bane Cadillacus and Thane Cadillacus. Oh, I love, yes. I love, as much as I love my vampires in books, I actually might like shifters more. Yes, uh, I think people like don't actually realize that. But you, when you start off, you're all like, "Oh, vampires, yay!" And then you realize, "Oh, wait, shifters are really cool because they do all this other stuff that like vampires can't do." And yeah. you just sort of get like totally hooked into that. But for me, I fell in love with Artron just because of his story, like everything he went through, and the fact he was like still this really nice person. Okay, he had his moments. But he was like still this really nice guy and like deep deep down, so that was me. I I just oh I I, I miss him if he's not in a book like in I one of her books. For Dove Peltier, I think you couldn't not be with him though. Like, yeah. like I love. Kinda... I've read No Mercy. Probably yeah. No Mercy might be the book that I've read the most from that series, actually. It's a tie-up, probably between Night Pleasures, which is Kyrian's uh, book, and then yes. Me, and then um, so I kind of I like the misunderstood, but I don't really fall for like the dark, tortured soul misunderstood. It's like that. Yeah. Like I love Valerius. I yeah. <laughs> really like that like mask that they put on for people, but then the people yep. that really know them see. The real sides of them. So I love. I wonder if, like, they all think, oh my God, what are they doing? Like, because we know who they really are. Like, oh my God, would you just be you? Like, I wonder if that ever actually goes through their minds at some point. I don't know. Um, I also, I see, and I like Sticks versus Ashram. So. Sticks was good. Sticks, I I must admit, was good. And of course, if you do not know. Ashram and Sticks, like, they're up there for books that made me cry way too hard. Yeah. And she has a really good way of, like, just tearing your heart out. Like, I I think she's, like, got just a superpower of, I'm going to make you cry today. And there's, like, okay. nothing you can do about it. If I give a book a five star, I mean, I, I, I've talked about this on my Instagram and stuff. I don't leave negative yeah. reviews. Because what, what might not be for me could be someone else's favorite book and I want to respect yeah, of course. that for other people. Yeah. Um but for me like a five star read is when I literally go through a yo yo of emotions and my husband has no idea what personality he's dealing with at that point. Like 
Are we crying? Mine's is the same. That is so weird. Because, like, he'll say, what are you reading? And then he sort of almost, like, prepares himself. Like, if I go and I, I just silently watch wrestling, he knows that this little, like, book has really gotten to me. And he just doesn't talk to me. He waits till, like, I've watched my wrestling and I'm back to me. And then you like, say, okay, what was it in the book that scared you? And for fans that don't know, today, Shirley Cannon's book, The Shadow Fallen, and it's the sixth book in the Dream Hunter series, just came out. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. She, she'll she'll enjoy the fact that I've advertised it slightly <laughs> late, but it it got advertised. I I, I think that counts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had someone message me that they started reading Ward like just this year. They started reading Ward yeah. because of my love for these vampires, and I you did encourage me to pick up hers as well. I will <laughs> I will openly admit that. Like I was just a Shirley Cannon, Christine Freeham girl. Yeah. I thought I would never pick up J.R. Ward, and then I was like, yeah, I needed a different world, though. Yeah, I like well, I, I like that these older, older books, even though there's still new yeah. ones coming out, because these are long series, like you're talking a 20 book series. Yeah, um, and those are I, the best series, FYI, the 20 I book series. I love long series, because if I can stay in a world that I'm loving, I... So my husband laughs because there's sometimes I like just finish a book. Like I just read um, BK Borison's in the weeds. I got an art copy of that. And I loved love light farms, like the, in the weeds and love light farms. There's the sweetest, cutest contemporary romance. And they're just like these really feel good books. And I yeah. love them. And then I cry when it's over. Yeah, Cause you not, don't want to leave the world. Yeah. yeah it's like I don't I don't want it to be over I just want to keep like loving those characters and loving their stories so yes if I can get a 20 plus book series I'm in it I'm in it for the long haul it is it's so funny you say that because when I started the Marie's World series I sat down with the publisher like that I'm gonna resign with and I was like it's a 32 book series and they looked at me and they went, how long? Like, you want to do how many? I'm like, it's 32. I can't do it any shorter. The books are quite big. I said, trust me on this. And we got to book five. And unfortunately, our publisher went, you know, paused us for a number of years. But it is that case, like, where people have read the, the twins and they want to know more about each of the twins. And because the sisters all have like their own lives and they have their own worlds and they have their own love triangles and their own situations. Like I've had people say like, if it wasn't for the diary entries, I would have no idea what's going on because there's so many characters coming and going and they, they love it because it, 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 that's how we can make it run for so long is because there's all these different characters who have different stories they want to tell. So they have their own books and we just literally built a world by everybody having a chance to tell their story. And it was a very different take. You know, like, it's each, mm-hmm. each character kind of their story, but there's like a backlog lean into yeah. it. And that's yeah. I, I then that's what I said to like my co-author. I'm like, if we're gonna do a book that's actually a world, because I don't know how to write any other way, I'm like, it cannot be just like a one standoff book. It's gonna have to be like multiple books. And I'm terrible. I had to do not think I've written a single book that doesn't maybe have a second one sitting around somewhere, yeah. because it's just like everything I do is like a huge world, and it's 
yeah, I drive people nuts with that. Like fantasy books? Yeah. And I'm the worst at giving a standalone recommendation, to be honest, because I love series. Like, I'm a hardcore series reader. I mean, I have a few standalones, but I look at my bookshelf and I'm like, no, those are a majority of, like, series or at least, uh, like, um, oh my gosh, words just fell out of my head. <laughs> three? Yeah. Oh, it happens to me all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, at least three books, usually. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I mean, um, I, I couldn't do, like, a standalone. Like, I thought Sarah Humphreys' series, when she did her, like, her Demon Shifter one, mm-hmm. I was so scared that was a standalone, and then I actually messaged her, and I was like, please tell me there's another one. And she's yeah. like, yeah, there is. And that was me. I was just like, oh, oh good. Yeah, it's like that big breath, in, and you're just like, oh, no, I have to wait for the next one, though. It was like the discovery of witches. I waited till like the trilogy was over before I picked them up because I didn't want to be in that situation of having to wait yeah, for I, the next one. I started when the trilogy was out, but then um, the last book, the uh, now I just forgot it. I can look at Time something. Time convert. Yeah, I, that's it. Yeah, it's Marcus's book. Um, that one I had to wait for, but I did yeah. read the trilogy like back to back, and I love I love discovery. I'm a, but you you had to like it was just that kind of thing where you had to binge it like <laughs> yeah you had to know like and it's the same like if I know that one of my favorite authors is coming out with a book I'm like damn I have to like binge it all like Do you in one go because people ask me why I reread so much and it's because when a new book is coming out I at least try to read the book that came out previously if yeah because obviously like Ward, Ward just released her Lover Arisen, um, yeah. just came out, which, oddly enough, I have not read yet. I, I haven't, I, I'm a mood reader, and I've been in the mood for contemporary, weirdly enough, so um, I haven't read it yet, but I usually read the book before. Yeah, it's, it's good, because it gets you back into it, yeah. Yeah, you know, right before release, but yeah. Are you, like, a one book at a time girl, or do you have, like... A book no, for the bedroom, book for the car, yeah. book for the bath. Oh, um, yeah. I usually have a physical book, an audio book, and a Kindle book going at all times. That um, is a lot like me. <laughs> and sometimes I have different audio books downloaded yeah. too, and I might switch back and forth because it also depends if my kids are in the car or, you know. Well, yes, of course. Yeah, because you need a mom book, yeah. Yeah, you know, a small child in the back seat. So, you know, then I might put in like a young adult book that's playing because my my kids also love audiobooks and um yeah, and my oldest one has loved like Fable by Ariana Young, um, yeah, and stuff like that. But yeah, so sometimes I have more than one audiobook going depending on what's going around. But yeah, I usually have four at least at a time. Yeah, because everyone says to me, "Oh my god, how can you like." put a book down, pick up a different one, like, every night. And I'm like, I don't really, like, it's almost like when I pick it up, that world just, like, re-emerges me. So, like, there's no switch for me. There's no, like, struggle between each one. Yeah. So it's easy for me to hop around. Like, the the Kindle book was B.K. Morrison's In the Weed, which is, you know, very much contemporary, versus um, I also just finished A River Enchanted by Rebecca Ross. Wow, okay. What is it, Enchanted in River or River Enchanted? Um, beautifully written storyline. Mm-hmm. 
the Scottish lore in that just like sucked me in hard and I loved it. So yeah. it was a beautifully written book. And so, yeah, I kind of can bounce around because I'm reading different genres and different things are kind of going on. So I don't really mix up the storylines versus if I was reading, I think, let's say like, Oh, I don't know. I can't even like maybe Kenyon and, and the Zodiac Academy and Ward all at the same time. It might blur together a little bit more just because it's all dealing with them. Could you imagine all three together? That would be really interesting. Um, my husband would be reaping a lot of benefits from that. Yeah, he'd be like, Ooh, I like this. <laughs> my husband's the same. Like, if it's a, if it's been a really steamy book, I'm terrible. And he'll be like, I don't know what you're reading, but keep reading it. Like, he just enjoys that kind of, like, especially, or, like, if I have a sad one and I, I just need to cuddle, like, you have to just cuddle afterwards. Oh, and yeah. Just Exodus, like, Exodus, Kingdom of Ash, too. Like, those two are probably, yeah. those two books have probably made me cry the very hardest ever. Like, to the point where I have to close the book and take, like, a, a full break and just have a come apart meltdown. And my poor husband yeah. is just like, did someone die? Is it, are you not, like, what happened? And I'm like, I can't even talk about it. Like, I'm just, yep. he just sits there and is like, okay. Okay. Same, but I love you. I love like, you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mine's is exactly the same. And he's just like, or I get him to read a series before me if I think it's going to be really bad, like, for that. So, like, um, what's oh, it? The about- spoilers. I love yeah. spoilers. Oh, I know, I know. But any so like I got him to read um a what's it it was the something Piers series that was set in space. Red Moon Rising before me. Because it's like a sort of like a fantasy space kind of situation. And I had struggled with Melissa Myers space one which had like the cinderella story in it and all these like sort of fairy tale characters that kind of came to life but were like had artificial intelligence so they were part robot or whatever and for me like i got him to read it because i'm like i'm not a spacey girl but this looks really interesting mm-hmm. and i got him to read it and then i realized oh this is his series this is something he's into there's no way i'm going to be able to read it so i actually ended up finding a book for him that he loved but then he, like, finds one that I like in sort of, like, vice versa. Like, he'll read, like, half the book and he'll be like, this is the one for you. <laughs> and he just sort of, like, ha- closes it and hands it back to me. Because I, um, we both started reading, oh, the one with the masks and they're, they've got, like, a, oh, his mom's, like, the head of the command and I'm trying to remember what it's called now. Oh, that's going to bug me. Is it a sci-fi? No, no, it's fantasy. Um, It's kind of dystopian because it's like they're picked up as children and they're taken to this um, base and then they're kind of like forced to train as soldiers and they wear these ha- like these silver masks. I don't think I've read, I don't read a lot of dystopian anymore. I used to love dystopian. So it, Yeah, I, I haven't really either and it was like... I don't know what got me into it, essentially, but I ended up reading Divergent, and then I got, and I got hooked on it, and then we kind of just stumbled into, like, other books, like Young Elites, and we find Young Elites, and I was like, whoa, this is brutal enough, my husband would like it, 
so I was like, I handed it to him and I'm like, you, you're going to really like that. And he read it too. And like, we, you know, we just ended up following these paths and like, I ended up finding Shatter Me and I fell in love with mm-hmm. that. That was such a good series. I, I am going to miss that series so much now that it's over. And then I like somehow managed to stumble into A Court of Thorns and Roses. Love A Court of Thorns and Roses. And I totally picked up the Assassin book because I saw your feed and it was on there. Oh, um... Throne of Glass series, yeah. Yeah, Throne of Glass series. And it was like, it was so weird. You'd done this like really cute Mm -hmm. post and I was just like, I have to go get that book. I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about it, but it was like the way you'd done it. I was just like, that's me. Gotta go buy it. The thing that always amazes me with Throne of Glass is Sarah J. Moss was in high school when she wrote it. Yeah, I know. Because I originally started with A Court of Thorns and Roses. That was the first series I'd read. Yeah. And you can definitely tell that's a look. She never wanted that to be YA, but her publishers pushed for it to be YA. Um, But you can tell it's more of a mature writing style. And then I read Throne of Glass. And at first I was kind of like, when I was reading like the first book of Throne of Glass, I was like, this isn't really mature, but it's YA. So I'm going to keep going. Because of course, like she's only, I think, 17 in the book or 18. Yeah. She's fairly young. And then I was watching Sarah do an interview and she had mentioned that, I can't remember. I want to say she said she was like 15 or 16. I remember thinking that's high school age. And scary. The world she built, like that Throne of Glass series, like, Knowing that she was that young when she wrote it and she created this world, I just, that is what amazes me with authors. Like, I'm like, holy cow, like, I barely was, you know, pushing past school and, you know, play my sports and do that kind of thing. Like, there's no way. Yeah, you never think. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was writing when I was in high school. Um, and it was weird because, like, I got picked on a lot. I was yeah. like I was the kid that was popular, but I was popular because if I wasn't with a certain group of people, they thought that they could pick on me. So like I would have had a probably I would have finished the Immortal series way sooner if it wasn't for the fact that they kept stealing my pages. Um, but yeah, I totally like just switched off a lot of days, and I would go write, and I was a super volunteer that's what they called it back then and I set up dance programs for children who were at risk of drinking and drugs and underage pregnancy so I was like writing doing that and studying for my exams and I still to this day cannot remember sitting a single one of them but thank goodness like I had a a scribe at the time because my dyslexia was so so bad um but yeah like I totally get like how she can because you start off in English where they, they're talking about creative writing all the time and it's so easy to learn about world creation through that. And then to go, you know, to, to not be able to stop writing and getting addicted to it and getting into that, that book to the point where you're writing it every night. So, yeah, no, I totally respect what she did. And, like, that was kind of like how Marie's World came about was I just couldn't stop dancing. In fact... There was a dance class that I was doing and I had the computer with me and I was writing the book in class mm-hmm. and my friend got so pissed at me. She's like, you can't dance with a computer. Go put it down. Like, just go put it down. And I'm like, but I'm writing a book. I don't care. Go put it down. And like, Because it was almost like to her, dancing should have been like here instead of like at my eye level. 
And the worst thing was, I actually ended up doing the routine better than her. And then she's like, "Go, go back on your computer," and she's just like pointed to the corner. I'm like, "Okay." And it, she does make an appearance in the series. It's, it's funny, but it's like I can get from like her perspective. When you're younger, you kind of almost have that no fear writing that you don't get when you're older. When you're think, older, you think about it a lot more. I could see that, you know, because as we as we get older, obviously we know more of what's happening in the world and we understand more and, you know, our wisdom grows as we, you know, get older. Experience and we, life, yeah. Yeah, we experience life. And, and yeah, it does change a lot where that innocence of writing when you're young, um, you're just in your world and it's great. You know, you're not thinking of all of like, you know, am I, am I being inclusive enough? Am I, did I, did I phrase this properly? I don't want to offend somebody. Like, is this going to sell? Is it going to make money? Yeah. 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 That that one I hear a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my oldest daughter like right now, she loves to write and I, I love it. I, I definitely don't discourage that. I'm like, yeah, go, sure. Go make a book. Go, go write a story. (laughs) I'll read it. Yeah. Yeah. I do that with my um, my sister. I I was lucky enough when I got together with my partner. His uh, his stepmom had a had a little girl, and she's so artistic. So she loves to show me like her masks she makes or the writing she's done or, like you know, I introduced her to certain books like Marianne Curley, and I introduced her to Debbie Glory. Debbie Glory is the funniest children's writer I've ever met. Um. And she's actually the reason I got into publishing was because of her. Because, okay. like, I won her writing contest and she's just like, what are you doing? You need to be writing. Your your worlds and your details is so amazing. Like, I created a whole world in a short story. Mm-hmm. And she's like, despite your dyslexia, it's terrifying what you've come up with. Like, you know, so from, I think from a sentence. Yeah. It's almost because my oldest is also severely dyslexic. And yeah. um, it runs in my family. I... I don't think I am, or at least mm-hmm. not like a severe case, but my daughter definitely is. And um, I almost think it's encouraged her imagination. Yeah, it bit. does. It's, mm-hmm. it's like somebody just slips the leash almost because your brain is so much focused on all the creative elements that it's not really kind of doing the logistic side where you're yeah. thinking about grammar and spelling. And have I written a se- I am terrible for writing sentences backwards. If I am yeah. really into it, to the point where my editor will be like, "Crystal, you've you've got like fourteen sentences that are backwards. What are you doing? Did you read this before you sent it to me?" And I'm like, "Just a little bit, but I get where you're going with it." Yeah, like you know, and and I always feel terrible because I'm like, "She must hate me right now." <laughs> like I just got edits back for waking, and I was just like. I I did a boo-boo and I've got like three genres going at once and I'm like I should have stuck to one what was I thinking but I really did a lot of backstory for that one so contemporary but it's got a lot of backstory see I've written short stories but I've never been able to figure out maybe because it is I'm an adult and I'm overthinking it too much but like I've never been able to figure out where I want it to go, yeah. Like I get ideas and I can do these little short blurps, but then I can't like grow, expand it. Yeah. yeah, I kind of like freeze in in the thought yeah. process or whatever. I mean, but. for me, like I was the same. Like I can outline stuff really well, 
and then when I come to write it, I always hit the wall almost mm-hmm. because it, I've put so I have to like put it away, walk away for like a few months, and then go back and write it. Yeah, because it's the only way that I can lock back into it. And for me, like if I hadn't done a lot of see like the romance writers associations, they have mm-hmm. online classes and stuff you can take part in that are free. A lot of them are free. Okay. They were so helpful because it was like they they give you the confidence to write and sometimes just like you're getting in your own way you're overthinking it mentally yeah so they have like all these awesome tricks to kind of get you out of the way of yourself so like they'll say write it in a, a whiteboard like do big like a big whiteboard and just do like bullet points okay it you know that will work for one person or doing like a dream map of how you want it to be with lots of like speech bubbles and stuff like that or some some of them use vision boards that would drive me mad i don't think i have the patience to sit do a vision board but a lot of them do it like on pinterest where they'll like save actors that they think looks like yeah. characters and locations and stuff again to me like that would be too much of me playing around and sort of wasting time so i like yeah. to just I will download, like, a picture of, like, the nearest person to my character, and then I just write. And it's kind of weird that I look back now and I think, when I was looking back at Waking, I'm like, oh my god, I know who that actor is and that actor is. (laughs) I had to, like, describe them to a T and not meaning to do it. Um, So, FYI, there is a slightly uh, Stefano-looking character from uh, Vampire Diaries in my new waking because I was binge watching uh, Vampire Diaries and he just ended up being one of the guys in there. He inspires a lot of stories. I think he does. <laughs> I I do and I like I'm a da- I am not a Damon girl, I'm not a Stefan girl, I'm a Klaus girl. Uh-huh. But it's like I don't know why, but he just sort of fit my Eric to a T. And I was just like, that's me. I am, I'm done for. Because, like, if you read Eric, you're going to love Eric. And that's going to be the end of it. And all I'm going to hear is, no one's going to care about the two lead people. They're going to be all about Eric with those chocolate brown eyes and the dimples and the fluffy hair. And that that's all I'm going to hear about for, like, till his book comes out. But, uh, yeah. I also love, one thing I always love um, is, like, it's, artistry is you know up for interpretation it's how each person interprets it whether it's how the author saw it and then versus you know the reader sees it but then I also love that each reader sees characters a little differently you know where I'm obsessed with rage from you know BDB someone else is obsessed with Zadist or Vicious or Mm -hmm. you know whatever the concept is and that's one thing I always have loved about stories is that you know it it's whatever resonates with you and it's it's however um like the artwork or like when artists come out with different characters, it kind of breaks my heart when I see people tearing it apart because I love seeing how each artist sees a character differently. Or I love seeing how you know, each reader interprets characters differently. Like where I would see a reader as a total douchebag and they're like, no, I love him. He's just a misunderstood soul. And I'm like, no, they're total ass. Like, this is, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, and I'm with you on that too talking books like that about people because I love having those conversations of like why do you yeah. love this character what is it 
what is it about this character that draws you in? Or what is it about this piece of art or, you know, this genre, you know, whatever the, the conversation might be. That's why I love, you know, bookstagram. That's why I started a bookstagram was because I wanted to, mm-hmm. to be able to talk those conversations with people and, I I do as well. Like I mean, there's so many times where I will pick out a character that seems to be almost like in the background, mm-hmm. and then I'll be like, I want to know about that. Car-. I like I end up not caring about the lead characters because I'm like, yes. I want to know about this one over here. Like, turn the camera around, yes. you know? Because like you just get so sucked in. Like everyone loved. I don't know if you you picked up on this, but Enzo when he came into the Vampire Diaries. Everybody was crazy about Enzo. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I just... He did not sell me on it at all. And I don't know what it was about him. But I just... I didn't feel sorry for him at all. Yeah. And that was me. I was just like, oh, I'm going to get so hated for that. But, like, I have those moments where some new character will get introduced and I'll be like, no, no, I can't, I can't. No. Not for me. And then I have to just be quiet in the corner because, like, I don't want to cause a riot, which I have done on occasions. But I like, you know, when it's a safe space conversation to, yeah. you know, have that with friends and, and and talk about why they loved that character. Because then I, then I can also go into it with that, that frame of mind of, like, so I, I don't know if you've chatted with um, Bound Hobbies, Jen from Bound Hobbies. Not yet, no, but I do hope to eventually she's incredible and we have had some really we we jokingly tell each other we go down rabbit holes and we are kind of each other's inspiration for rabbit holes yep and we will go into like deep conversations about like certain animals or certain book characters or whatever it might be and we just like dive and it goes deep, and Mm -hmm. then our like conversations just start to like spread it's totally that ripple effect where like you know you start one thing and it just you know goes and goes and goes and i love I love those conversations that I have with people, and it, I just think it's really fun. I, th- I think that's, like, part of it, too. Like, the book community is so vast and so, like, extensive that, like, if I'm going through, like, a Catherine Cookson period, I can go on to, like, Instagram and put, like, Catherine Cookson's tag on there. And mm-hmm. somebody, somebody will look at it and go, ooh, why is she thinking that? Or, like, and then I might get a message to say, um, why do you like this character? Like, you know, mm-hmm. somebody will start that kind of conversation with me, and I just love them too. Like, I just feel like it makes, I don't know, it just makes me love Instagram in a way that we're having conversations about characters that would never otherwise be known about. So who what? do you wish you had more time to sit and enjoy? Like, if you had just time to read, you didn't have to do housework, you didn't have to do anything. It's all taken care of for you, and you got to sit and read and enjoy someone. Again, this comes back to it depends on whatever mood I am in because that can literally depend on the minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. I don't know. I I always love going back to the Harry Potter world. Um, yeah. I think for me to, you know, the first Harry Potter book came out when I was 11. So, like, yep. I am the original generation for Harry Potter. But at the mm-hmm. same time... You know, I got to enjoy it with my children now, you know, as an adult and my kids are reading it and stuff. And so I got to relive the joy through them. But see, then it's that same conversation with my children. Their favorite characters are not my favorite characters. And um, I I am not 
generally one of those people that like roots for the bad guy. <laughs> I I, I know. Story. Yep. I have those feels too. Yep. And so like my, I have a friend who loves, you know, the fanfic of like Draco and Hermione. And I'm like, how, how do you get there? Like, please explain this to me. Um, but I love. I, I still, I still say it should have been Hermione and Harry. I'm sorry. I, but then again, I love Ginny. Like Ginny Weasley is actually one of my favorite characters, and I feel like in the. So I, I am not. My family teases me about this because they will sit down and watch all the Harry Potter movies, and yep. I refuse. I refuse to. I mean, I've seen yep. them, and obviously, I see them when I walk through the house or whatever. My kids have it on, or my husband, yeah. or whatever. But I don't like the movies because I feel like it leaves out so much. They do, yeah. They leave out so much. And then I sit there and, like, tear the movie apart, kind of like, well, they Mm -hmm. didn't put this character, and that's not how that happened, and that's not who actually says that. And then my husband will turn on the couch and be like, stop, just let us enjoy the movie. (laughs) But, like, my... I'm so much the same, yeah. Yeah, like, I... I, you know, always loved Harry. Like, I was a diehard Harry girl. And he's kind of like that first... Actually, my first book, now that we're talking about this, my very first book boyfriend was actually Oliver Wood. I loved him. Oh, yeah. I loved him. And um, I think that was, like, what started my book boyfriends, you know, years ago when I was a little little teeny bopper and stuff. But I remember, like, midnight, because my kids don't get this. Yeah. You know, they, you can download a book digitally at midnight, you know, when it releases or whatever. But yeah. Harry Potter, my mom would take me, and we would go over to Barnes & Noble Stand in the queue. I would wait in the line and just wait for that next book. And I'd be so excited. And then I would stay up all night reading them. And that last book, book seven, came out when I was... Because there was like a delay in the time. So I think I was 21. I was 21. Because my husband... Yeah, it was was quite a delay. Yeah. Yeah. And my brother-in-law and I both got it at the same time. Like I had gone at midnight and gotten it. Yep. And I picked up his copy and he was like, I'm going to beat you reading this. And I was like, no, because you obviously don't know who I am. Yeah. And I, up and like just inter- I mean, this is before I had kids and a life and whatever. Yep. And I had a job where I could read at my desk. And I think I finished that Harry Potter in like, I don't know, 10 hours or something. And I called him and I was exactly. like, are you done yet? And he's like, no. How are you done already? <laughs> yeah. For well, me, I- my, I would say my first one was... Old Magic by Marianne Curley was like the first book that I fell in love with the like the leading character mm-hmm. and it was simply because it goes back to medieval times yeah. and it's like magic and you know this poor guy has no clue what's happening to him and the girl knows everything so it's yeah. like a total switch and I just fell in love with that because I'm like, here's like the guy who's so innocent and knows nothing. And then here's the girl that's having to like save his butt because she knows everything. And then there's this evil sorcerer that's trying to like do it. But to me, that should never have been a one book series. It should have been a like a multiple book series. And that's what even like Marianne was like. She never wanted it to be a one book series. She always had book two written. I am dying to know what that second book is because that was like the book that made me totally fall in love with novels like of the romantic type so yeah I I'm I'm begging um if her publisher listens please please release that second book because we need to know we need to know how it ends we need closure 
Yeah, and it, it's troubled me since I was like 11. So like it's followed me my whole life. I, because there's so many threads that I'm like, you need to finish it. It's like, and then even to try and dive into fanfic sometimes, I'm like, no, this is yeah. how I saw it going. No, I, I, I can't do fanfics for that reason. I, I just can't. I can't. I dived into the Akatar fanfic sometimes. I have to be careful. Yeah. Some, some of the way that social media goes, it can get really toxic really quick sometimes. And oh, gosh, yeah. It scares me. And so there are some fanfics I like. or um, I actually don't join author groups on Facebook and stuff anymore because of, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't like to see the turmoil between people. No, would, no. And there's so not, much. There is so much. And I wish everyone could just agree to disagree on things. Like, yeah. You know, if you don't agree with it, like, that's okay. But you don't have to be cruel about it. Um, yes. And so, yeah. Uh, it, it was, like, it's so funny you say that because when I actually started and I launched this entire new genre of wrestling romance, because it's not really, like, sports romance. It's, like, a right. totally thing of its own. Then everyone was like, no, it's sports romance. It's sports. And I like, it was almost like a wall went up instantly of like, how dare I try and launch an entirely new romance line. And it scared me that 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 was the reaction. But I was so lucky because my co-author was like, no, this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because the angrier they're getting, the more they're talking about it means that more people are going to have a look at our stuff just to see what they're, they're complaining about. And I got called, like, everything, oh, it's fan fiction, it's fan fiction. No, these characters do not exist in wrestling. They don't exist in the real world. It's not that at all. Oh, excuse the tale. But, like, yeah, I've got, like, two. I've had one jump down now, and I've got another one floating around. Yeah. (laughs) It's because he knows that I'm, like, doing a podcast, so he's like, oh, I should be on the podcast. And I'm like, no, you really shouldn't. But, like, yeah, like, to me... I faced a lot of that when I tried to do something completely brand new and that was like conceptual. If it had been like, if it had come from a mainstream publisher, I don't think there would have been the same reaction. But because we were an independent author set doing it with an independent publisher, it was almost like people were not happy about that being the situation. So like, I'm very careful now what I do on social media because I'm almost like aware that that rush can come back again. So I kind of like, I hold myself back a lot more now and I'll be like, I'll tweet and stuff because I have a lot of wrestling friends and wrestling fans. Like I got, um, John Cena followed me a couple years ago and I must admit, like my whole heart just like crushed in my chest. I'm like, John's following me? Like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) But it was funny to me because he had heard about the wrestling romance stuff that I was doing and he was so supportive of that and I th- I believe he still is actually. So to me it was almost like a validation of, okay, I might be putting up with a lot of crap right now, but it will be worth it if I just keep going and keep changing things. So I kind of well, use that as a, a guide. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of times it's finding like your target readers too. Like Yeah your target readers are gonna love you like I don't know I um I've had a couple authors reach out to me for arcs um and they I always ask a couple questions when an author reaches out you know does it have triggers in it what's the synopsis about it yep and I had you know a really nice author he reached out to me and 
he it was a horror novel. I am a scaredy cat. Like I cannot, so am I. I, I have a cat hair like right in my eye. Um, I cannot <laughs> do scary novels because I I'm also a mom and a wife. I need to be able to function for my children, and if I'm not yeah. in a good frame of mind, that's definitely going to affect my my baby. Oh, it so, definitely does. Yeah. I was, I was really nice to him and, and I, I replied back to him and I just said, I appreciate you taking the time to reach out to me and um, ask if I would be interested in it. Sadly, this is just not a genre for me, um, but I can put a couple feelers out there for other readers that, you know, do yeah. read this type of book. Um, they would be a better target audience for you than I would. Because also me reading a horror novel, I don't write bad reviews, but that's not going to get a good review for me either. No, no. So I feel like finding your target is definitely key as well. Cause like yeah. I, I love spicy books. I love yep. paranormal romance. I love like fantasy novels. Like that is my jam. So yes, I tend to read a lot more by those authors because that's, you know, what draws me in. I love the witchy books. I love um, everything like that, but I'm not one to, you know, deal with, you know, dark romance isn't really my jam. No, I just, it's just not my thing. And, but I have yeah. friends that love it. So, like, I share have conversations with them. And if I get, like, an arc, I'll say, like, oh, no, you might want to reach out to this Instagrammer or mm-hmm. this, you know, reader. Or I have a friend that's not on Bookstagram that probably could read it. Um, but that's the joy of reading books is finding what works for you. And, and, and it is such it. a vast world. And you're, like, we're almost like we're all interconnected, too. So, like, we do eventually find the right people. I think it takes us, like, as authors, it takes us a long time to find those people because we're kind of, like, groping in the dark a little bit. Until oh, sure. we, like, yeah, until we find people that are like, oh, yeah, I know a group that, that'll read this. And, you know, like, when I wrote my series, it wasn't a case of, like, I was thinking about, okay, he's going to pick this up because I wasn't. I was mm-hmm. just, like... I'm writing this story for me and him and it's that's all that you know that really matters but when I did when I did Immortals I did think okay this is a fantasy series and I'm writing it for fantasy readers I don't care about anything else I'm just writing it for fantasy readers and I had um, I can't remember what it was I think it was like back in time with this um by oh dear me it was a Scottish time travel novel by Laurie Foster and I loved it. Okay. And that kind of like was the doorway for Immortals to come out for me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote Carla and it, like the response I got because I didn't know the right people to talk to mm-hmm. almost like crushed me to the point where I didn't want to write the second one. Because it was like yeah. I had people saying could not finish or uh, skip to the first 150 pages you know things like that just totally floored me and then I got to the point where I just stopped reading like you know the people that were doing the art readings just because it was like I took the creative the creative criticism really well but it was like that almost it you're never going to be able to finish this was just like it was heartbreaking especially when you were getting people that were coming back and saying oh my god this is this is really good I really enjoyed it yeah so I had to learn that and also finding, because, like, um, I actually had an author friend reach out to me, and she was like, hey, I want you to beta read my book because I know you are a moody reader. Like, she yeah. she wanted that because she was like, I need to know if it's going to keep your attention because of how mm-hmm. moody. And I, I admit, like, and I will tell 
a lot of times, like, if I get asked to read an arc, I will tell authors, like, okay, I may, what's your timeline on this? Because I have to be in the mood to read certain kinds of books or else it's just not, it's not going to work. And I don't yeah. want it to be, you know, what I love, I love that the not right now is actually becoming a phrase. Like we use DNF yeah. or, you know, I love that not right now is becoming a thing because there are books that are just not right now for me. Like it's yeah. not that the writing's bad and it's amazing and and I'm really, you know, I could be really enjoying the book, but then, you know, my Life mood shifts. I'm a Gemini. My mood can shift in, you know, a blink yep. of an eye. And so, um, yeah, it just, it's, it's finding the people that want to read yeah. your book at that time too, because like for me, yeah. I can love paranormal romance one minute and I'm like, no, I, I need a YA contemporary romance where there's no spice in it. And then like the next minute I'm like, I need this. I to need be spice. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the thing about Carla is I didn't have any spice in it. It was a pure YA, but mm-hmm. it had like the grit to it almost like yeah. that made it good. Yeah. And I, I kind of like, do I think I, I, I do sit and think, the second book sitting there and I really should do it and I I think I will do it at some point I will release the second book uh-huh. but it's like I I'm almost trying to build my confidence back up to yeah. the point where I'm like I can I can do this again I can put this out there again um Sometimes people need to remember that authors they they have lives and they go through yeah. things by writing these stories that you know may play a part in their books, you know, books Mm -hmm. are based on inspiration and stuff. And if, you know, that author is facing, you know, a health crisis or some sort of trial in their life, like that, that may play into the book. And I think, I think readers need to give a little bit more forgiveness for that. Or also remember that, you know, while, because, you know, I've joked about this, like that didn't go where I was thinking it was going to go. Yep. But I'm never one to tear apart an author because a book didn't go where I thought it should go because I don't own those characters as much as like I jokingly tell everyone that like rage is my book boyfriend and I love him and I'm obsessed. Like, yeah, I respect where the author has taken her story because it's her story. And I get the privilege of reading it. Yeah, exactly. And it's good. Like it's, and I kind of keep saying this, like it's good for everyone to be able to sit down on a podcast and express these things because this is like how it sort of spreads out in an almost way of kind of helping the industry soften a little bit because we've had a lot of hard years as authors yeah Yeah. and this is kind of like a great way for a lot of authors who've been terrified to come back into writing after the pandemic especially that you know hey there is people out there who's going to sit there and they're going to genuinely read your book and enjoy it and they're not going to be looking to tear you down because that's their stress relief or that's what they need to make themselves feel better and everyone forgets authors are dead sensitive people too. Like we're slit, they're literally taking a piece of our heart, sticking it in a book yeah. and giving them to people. And I think everyone sort of forgets that's part of the experience of that. Yeah. And I, I kind of remind like if I, I'm in a couple of review groups and I've had to take people aside and just say, hey, you do realize this person's got feelings, right? Like the, the authors do go and read these things. And I mean, Sarah Humphrey said that as well, like, she's like, you just, she doesn't read her reviews because she's like, in a way, you got to like separate yourself so that you don't get your heart broken. 
but at you, the same time, you you listen to them at the signings, and if they say it to you, then it's you take that as creative criticism, yeah. and you kind of make those adjustments. And that particularly is what I do. Like I adore my character Harold; is my favorite character of all ever, and he is such a bad boy, but in a way, <laughs> he's funny because he just. You can tell he's super intelligent, but he has no idea about women or love or anything like that's yeah. to do with emotion. And, you know, he's chasing this girl that he's never going to keep. But you kind of almost root for him because you're like, dude, this is not happening. Yep. And like that's that. And, you know, when his book comes out, I think I'm going to it is such a big book. This like it's going to be about a thousand pages. It's it's a huge book. Yeah. And it is taking me years to write it. But it will be so funny because it's almost like you'll understand the reason that he's so bad with people. Yeah. And you will yeah. you will feel so sorry for him because the stuff that he goes through in that novel, especially the stuff Marie puts him through in that novel, you're just like, dude, give up already. Like, this is just not going to work out for you. Like, yeah. especially when your own brother's saying, dude, she's you know, she's coming on to me, this is not going to work. You know, yeah. like, there's just that humor to it. And things like he gets himself in all these sticky situations where he'll walk in on something, and he'll be like, oh, God, did I see that? Like, <laughs> and he turns around and he has to walk away kind of thing. Um, yeah. He has, like, the worst timing, too. So so that that's funny. And it's, it's weird because when I wrote that particular character, my friend is such a huge inspiration for that. And sometimes I would text him and say, would you actually do this in this situation? And almost like test the water to see if it would be like something he would do. And the two are so much alike. And it's not the character he plays on television. It's the character like himself. And the character is so much alike. Um, To the point where he's like, I want to read the book. But he's like, I'm kind of scared that I'm going to get like all texty angry with you because like there'll be too much of me in the characters and I'm like yeah probably don't read it but it's fun it is fun and I keep like unlike vampire diaries I actually do keep all the diary entries going throughout the entire series so everybody's got diaries so it's kind of like good to see like how they write differently from each other as well and by the way getting into it a, tw- a mid 20 year old guy's mind and having to write a journal entry for that it is harder than people realize like i didn't realize how hard that was gonna be <laughs> i think it's i i like um so my friend jacqueline osborne she's also yeah. an author she her, her very first book i in i'm one of the characters in it actually oh, and i cool. remember asking me if that was okay and i was like yeah sure that's fine and um, she mentions, I'm trying to remember if it was purple or pink hair at the time. I want to say it might be purple hair. Um, but she yeah. mentions like, the funky colored hair and that I was a cosmetologist. And, you know, but yep. I, I, I went into it thinking that was really cool that I inspired mm-hmm. the character. And um, I don't know. I don't look at it as offensively unless it's taking, I guess with permission, it's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she asked me and she was like, are you cool with this? Like, can, can I use a name similar to yours and your description? And, and I loved yep. it. And I, I, you know, I thought it was great. Um, it, it must be weird for the actors out there. Cause like, I don't think they realize how many of us authors 
use them kind of like yeah like we steal them like we will binge all their interviews like that we can get our hands on and then their little character traits or the little like things that interest us end up the becoming movies. characters yeah. yeah and i mean i i must that admit like people watching in general too like yeah the park and watching how someone interacts with somebody else or mm-hmm. um little you know it's funny is like you even just going back and like watching my own reels yeah on my instagram like um there's things i didn't realize about myself that i do i like for what i talk out of the side of my mouth and i realized it in reels and my husband's like yeah you've always done that like that's just that's just who you are yeah but i didn't notice this and i'm you know (laughs) almost 36 years old and i'm just now learning this about myself so i think that's just yeah just the the picking up on mannerisms that anybody does and and, and, and that's the thing with authors we're so detail oriented that we actually do notice these things mm-hmm. and it's it's so funny being like when I was in the wrestling rocker rooms and I was actually doing the writing you're writing for that particular person and you're writing for their character and what people don't realize is wrestlers it's like you turn the volume up on their personality and their ego and that's yeah. how their wrestling characters are created so like for me if I was writing something for them they used to get so annoyed at me because I would pick up on the tiniest little things. Like I had one guy who could not stop touching his hair, right? Yeah. Could not. He could not go an entire conversation without going, like, fluffing it and stuff. Oh, I, I nervously touch my hair too. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I no, I did. I just didn't say. Anything. But he he was terrible for it, and so I wrote it into like this storyline that one of the girls would like pull his hair every time she got and it drove him mad to the point where he stormed into the locker room he's like you're not writing about my hair anymore and I'm like but you don't realize that's the thing that everybody's noticed about you like the entire audience has noticed that you have an obsession with your hair yeah. Five years later, it made him into somebody really big in wrestling, and he came back and he said, "Okay, you have a point. Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it was the hair that the girls fell in love with too, and he became a heartthrob for that reason. Yeah. But if I hadn't picked up on the fact that he couldn't stop touching his hair, I actually, to begin with, wondered if he had just like an itchy head that he was yeah. scratching it or something. Um, no, it turned out that he had just had an obsession with how fluffy it was. He liked the sensation of it bouncing. Oh. I, I couldn't resist writing that. I just, I couldn't. And I, I look back and I think, yeah, there's maybe some things I shouldn't have written down. But you learn, you live and learn. You live and learn. My hair has now reached a length where I usually always have short hair. And then I don't Same. have a hairdresser yeah. in my new state that we live in. And yep. so this is the longest my hair has been in years. Years. So now it's the awkward length of like, okay, well, it won't stay behind my shoulders and then it, it like falls forward. So that's what I keep fidgeting and I like yeah. try to twist it to get it back. But And you can't put it in a ponytail. I, I trust me, I've been there when I had to grow mine out for the wedding. I went crazy with it because I was like, I can't tie it in a ponytail. I can't pleat it. That like early kind of awkward stage of it not being shoulder length, but it's like at your neck. I hated yeah. it. But I've, I've been... Get it up, but... Yeah, I like I tie mine up all the time because there is nothing worse if you're writing than having your hair constantly in your face. Or you're reading and you end up like really interested in the book and then you breathe and you end up with like a mouthful of hair. 
that single hair that like tickles you in the nose. Yeah, and you think it's like, or you think it's like a spider that's fallen on your face. Like I've had that moment of it touches my nose and I just sort of freak out and like do this. Yeah, Um, but to be fair though, I was the first place me and my partner stayed at. I went to go to the bathroom one night and a spider fell off the ceiling and landed on my face. Oh my god. Total freak out session. Oh, yeah. I I think I screamed like a blood curdling scream. My partner came running out. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm pure smacking my face going, a spider fell on my face. And he's like, it's dead. You've killed it like 50 times by now and you just don't realize it. Um, but no, like in my, my new house, there's huge spiders. So I'm always like, I now look up every time I go to turn on the light switch. I'll look up just to be sure there's no spiders around because of that. Yeah, I have a, a spider here as well. And there's big tarantulas here in New Mexico that oh. really freak me out. Yeah, no, no. I I can understand that. I, I, I'd be running. I would. Yeah, I would be running. So is there an author, past or present, who's influenced you inspired you or got you really excited about books that maybe we haven't talked about i so past i love little women like i'm not one to read a lot of the classics yeah but i i think i own like four or five different versions of little women um Mm -hmm. so louisa may alcock is definitely like up there as far as like a past author that i really enjoyed um, I don't know. There's so many. And the one thing I love about Bookstagram is actually like getting to know authors. Um, yeah. so I've gotten to know, you know, several, okay, quite a few, you know, amazing authors. Um, but Noelle Rayen, she wrote an Empress of Air and Chaos. Um, wow. she's one of the most recent ones that like I've interacted with a lot. Um, I'm on her hype team. To pay yeah. to read the second book of um, An Empress of Steel and Fire. And I don't think she realizes how incredible I find her. Like, just yeah. talking to her, and she's Scottish. And so she'll, you know, there was a couple phrases in her books, like, um, tap the door. Yep. Was mentioned, which is not an American phrase. No, nope, so it's definitely like, not. Yeah. And so it actually became a conversation in the beta group you know, what is chap the door? And, um, I just, I don't very know, Glasgow, actually very Glasgow. <laughs> yeah. She just, she's one of those present ones that just have really like inspired me. And I don't know, they make me think like, she's so positive when she talks to people mm-hmm. and she's so supportive. And then, you know, if I was to say to her, like, I, I think I want to write a book, she would literally divulge as much information as she could yep. to help me be successful successful and yeah. um A.P. Wallstrom is another one that I read the The Savage Sea by her and mm-hmm. she's another one that I've quickly become friends with and it's kind of that same thing she was actually asking me you know what is a hype team she's a very new author that's yep. she's you know just coming on and and um she knew I was on Noelle's hype team and she says do you think Noelle would mind if I reached out to her and I think she did I'm I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Alex did reach out to um, Noelle. And yeah. I know just seeing these authors also work together and like try to support each other. We and, do, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's incredible. I love seeing 
I love seeing authors want to see other authors succeed and not yes. look at them as a threat to their yeah. book because it's really not like what no. resonates with one is not going to resonate with another. There's no way to make everyone happy. So yeah. it's finding your readers and it's finding mm-hmm. those people that, you know, love your work. And, and I love seeing, you know, Noel be really supportive. And Miranda Lynn is another indie author that I have dealt with a lot. Um, I'm on all three of their hype teams, Miranda Lynn's Noel Rands and, and, um, AP Wallstrom. How do you, how do you um, balance all the hype teams? Like, that, that must be a skill and a half. You know what? It's actually really easy when you truly love their books. Yeah. Because, like, An Empress of Air and Chaos, I've read it twice now. Like, I, it came out last year. I've read it twice. I got to beta read the second book. And I'm genuinely obsessed with the story. Like, um, yeah. I get teased in the hype group that, because I'm, I told you I like to fall for the good guys. I don't. Yep. That morally gray character is not usually my thing. And the one character, Gideon, there's not as many readers on that brother's team. And I'm like a hardcore, like Gideon fan and I get teased. So to me, like balancing the hype teams, it's, it's, and the hype teams that I'm on, they don't have a lot of requirements necessarily of like, you have to do this, this, and this for me. Like it's, it's like, Hey, can you post my book once a month or like mention it in your stories or Yep. And for me, that's easy because it's genuinely books that I love. Like, I mm-hmm. I would never join a hype team. I will never join a hype team on a book that I don't actually want to hype up. Like, if it's not for me, I'll just be honest and just say that's not yeah. a book for me. But and I think um, um, hype teams are sort of becoming this new tool for authors, like particularly readers out there who don't know or writers out there who don't know. But hype teams are such a new thing. Because we've had street teams before. We've had sort of Twitter teams before. But we've it's kind of always evolving like because there's more social media and there's more almost like we don't have enough time to like write and edit and then do the social media and the marketing so it's almost like you're kind of having to trust other people to come in and help you now and that's where I say to everyone I'm like we just gotta just it's okay to let these people in and and you have to trust them and you have to just go with it but yeah, I know of a lot of authors that want to do these hype teams, but they're genuinely scared. Like, oh, what if I put out a forum and nobody, you know, wants to sign up and stuff, you know? So one thing you could do is, like, this is what's happened with me. So like Alex, for example, yeah. AP Wallstrom is her book, um, The Savage Sea. She reached out to me because I had, I had read, she asked if I would read The Savage Sea. I read it and I put the arc or the review up on my Instagram. I enjoyed the book. I had a good time. We went back forth and chatting and then, you know, we kind of grew that relationship. So as far as like an author to a reader, this is like what I I've enjoyed. So this is like my, my view on it. Um, If I have reviewed your book and I really enjoyed your book and then you come at, you know, you come and ask, you know, would you be interested or like, you know, we've built that bond or whatever it's really easy to join a hype team at that point. Yeah. Um, also like just, so I think reading your own reviews in that sense, if you can find people that have written good reviews is a good way to yeah. start building a hype team. Um, and finding, cause a lot of times you'll find like, for example, on Alex's hype team, she found several more readers through me. Because I had reviewed her book and then I got my friend Tiffany to read her book. And then I got my friend Elise to read her book and it kind of grew from there. And then I, yeah, dominoes. Yeah. Yeah. I told, um, you know, 
Alex said I had gotten them to read it. And so then she started talking with them as well. And then when they posted their review, then, you know, all of us ended up on her little hype team together. And generally I find um, most of the hype teams I, I'm on are not big hype teams. It, I think each one yeah. does them, you know, their own thing differently, but the hype teams I'm on are not overly huge, um, which I like because then I've also gotten to know, the other readers that are on the hype team, you know, and I've gotten to have conversations of people that like books that are along the same thing that I love. Yeah. And it's good socially as well. And I must admit, like, I would have loved to have known like a bit more because it wasn't something I was taught about really when I started out. Cause when I started out with street teams and you had to pay money for them and all this other stuff. And I never did that, but I would sit and I'd have conversations with readers. I mean, I remember having my Facebook open and I would literally answer people and talk to people while I was writing the books. And I still do that do that mm-hmm. to this day. Like I could be mid flow and if somebody messaged me, I would I would automatically respond. It's just my habit. But it's a good habit to have where you have that communication, you are building these relationships. And I almost feel sort of like good about that because I have sales, even if they're not huge sales, I have consistency where I know like at least one will sell a month or whatever. And that's simply just based on having these conversations, you know, going on interviews, cultivating like friends and, and working that kind of way. And I mean, I have, I've been asked if I would have a hype team a couple of times, see, because like I'm going into a new publisher. This is like a whole different kind of way of working. It's a brand new experience. And I was like, yeah, I think I would. And then they ask you to put a list together of people that they can contact and say, hey, would you read the the arc? And if you like it, would you mind typing it? And it's almost like you get that. It's like a roller coaster ride for another because like you get them like 10 names or 15 names or whatever. And then you have to like sit on the edge of your seat while you wait to see if they'll like, if they'll like take you in or not. And I had a lot of like, um, I met quite a few booktubers and stuff and I had my heart broken by a few of them because they all said, no, you know, we only do mainstream publishers. And I was just like, oh, because I really loved the way that they were interacting with the books and they were talking about the books. And I thought, wow you know, that's the dream to have somebody to sit there and talk about my book in that way that, you know, they are. And I, I just loved it. Yeah. So if you were to be in a bookstore and you had infinite amount of money, where do you think you would drift to first? Fantasy. Fantasy and paranormal is always where I go to first. Like I'm the same. And then, I'll, yep. then I'll work my way down to romance and YA. That's like literally like my circle that I make every time. Every once in a while, I try broadening my views on books or, like, if I've gotten a recommendation from someone. Yeah. Um, I used to read a lot of mystery novels, actually. Oh, I wow. To, yeah, I, I did. I, I did used to read a lot of mystery. I loved them until I had children. And <laughs> yeah, then, then you're like, oh, no. Yeah, so I had actually – it was Mary, a Mary Higgins Clark book I was reading – and yep. I had just given birth to my first daughter. Yep. And, um, like, she literally was probably, like, two months old. Like, she was tiny. Yep. And the book I had picked up, because I had read so many of Mary Higgins Clark at this point. Like, I just, yep. she, at that point, was an auto-buy author. Like, I just, a new release came out. I picked it up. I loved it. Yep. Um, I picked up, like, the newest one when my daughter was born. And an infant was killed. In that oh, no. And I was like, yeah. I'm, done. I'm out. Like, I can yep. do this. Yeah, I tried 
a different mystery novel not long after that. And I found that definitely things that are going on in my personal life affect how I am as a reader. Yeah. Which I think is, is semi-normal with people, you know, when it I'm, is, yeah. when I'm down, I either want a really feel good book to bring me up or I want to wallow. And so I'm going to find a book that's going to make me cry as hard as I possibly can. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good releasing. Yeah. Yeah, but I found, so it wasn't, I actually think I became more of a fantasy reader after I had children. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still loved it before then. I'd read a lot of fantasy, and but I was more of a paranormal for sure and like mystery. And um, I love Iris Johansson. I've, I actually still am a big Iris Johansson reader. Um, yeah. I still love a lot of her books. Um, and in fact, one of her books... It, it's funny how like the book cannot. We you had asked me this question before, um, like what book really influenced me, and it just occurred to me that it's a Nightmare Star Hansen book. It's Mary, yeah. um, the Ugly Duckling, actually. Oh right. Yeah, I read it when I was sixteen, and I was going through a really hard time. Yeah. And um, I read that book, and the the heroine in that book goes through some serious you know, stuff and stuff. Yeah. She finds her own strength and she kind of comes into her strength, but even it, it's a little bit later in life that she comes into her strength. Yeah. And that book has stuck with me ever since. So I have read it every year since I was 16. So we're going on 20 years. I'm 36 next month. Wow. So yeah, for 20 years, I have read this book every single year. Um, that is something. I, yeah. That, that is the kind of, kind of books that I talk about that you just, you can't, go without reading i mean i know for me if i'm going through like a really bad time i will pick up the horse whisperer because that to me was such a powerful story i hate the end of it and i used to never read the end um because i like the the ending of the film better than i like the ending of the book yeah um but i did like and, and it's like my go-to or if i'm really kind of in a dark place i always pick up a rachel kane book and i'm so sad she passed away this last year um mm-hmm. But she was an incredible author. And her writing almost makes you kind of feel like somebody's literally lifting you, your spirits up from the inside. And I yeah. always used to say that to her. I'm like, didn't matter what was going on in my life. If she, if I just suddenly picked up one of her books, that was me. I was just lifted off the, the ground. Have you actually seen her library um, series that she did? Where the library has like all the knowledge and is controlling the world? I don't think I have. I would highly recommend that actually. What it is, is gonna, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's the library series by Rachel Kane. I mean the idea of like portals and books and she takes Kindle to like a whole new level. There's like a whole new level of what a Kindle is and publishing is against the law and all sorts. It is amazing. Most library. uplifting series. By Rachel Kane. Yeah, yeah, she's she's amazing. See that I'm 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 even giving out you know we recommendations are. on the on the podcast, which is uh, probably her her hype team's really going to be messaging me going, "You're hyping her without you know us being involved." But no, like I only just found that one this year because um, I was quite far behind in hers, and I just was like, "Wow!" And there's it's there's like a Welsh character and she has all these different characters to it. And you kind of like, like there's a thing called book lickers to give you a laugh. 
<laughs> so that should make you kind of your curiosity should be going yeah, now. Sniffers. Say that like, again. I'm, I'm, is that comparable to like a book sniffer? It's worse. It's worse than what a book sniffer is, right? (laughs) So, just trust me, like, you'll read the first one, and then you'll be messaging me, like, okay, I know what you're talking about. Like, what the hell? But there is so many moments that makes you laugh in her stuff, and it was, like, the same with the Morganville series. Like, there was this demented scientist who just gets involved in this this teenage uh, physicist's life, and no matter what she does, he is just bats crazy. Absolutely crazy. And he's an old vampire that likes to run around in bunny slippers, but they're vampire bunny slippers. And if he doesn't, if he can't find his bunny vampire slippers, then all hell's going to break loose because he has to have his bunny vampire. Like, it's just these little things she does that makes you kind of feel lifted up almost. And then I went and I read her crime series she did. Well, honestly, like, it must have been a dark period of her life that she talked into because it was just, wow. Just, like, hitting a wall of darkness. It was just incredible. The darkest book I've read lately is Stalking Jack the Ripper by Carrie... Oh, I, I love that. Um, yeah. Carrie... Begins with an Man- M, doesn't it? Yeah. Is it Maniscalco? Is that how you say Mask- Yeah, Maniscalco, yeah. Uh, I'm probably butchering that, and I'm sorry, Carrie, if that's... Uh, if so I am I. Yeah, I'm <laughs> terrible for that, too. Don't worry about it. So I read Stalking Jack the Ripper, which is a little darker than I've read the recently. Um, yeah. I really liked it. I actually listened to the audiobook of it, and now I'm reading the Prince Dracula one, the second book. That one was really good. And I, I was cold the entire time I read it. I got, like, the snowy vibes, you know, where you're, like... Burr and you're... Uh, not Transylvania. Yeah, it's Transylvania. Is it tra- yeah, it is Transylvania. Yeah, it's Transylvania, <laughs> yeah. But I've just gotten to where she's gotten to the school. And yeah. um, she's in a room right now. And yeah, like she she feels someone there and it's, you know, the maid or whatever. But she... She's yeah, so like, creeped out by it, yeah. Wait till you get to the Houdini uh, one. The Houdini one is, is really good. I loved Kingdom of the Wicked. Like her witch one. Um, I'm going to try that one. I've been, I got like the fairy loot version. So it's got like the, like the special like pages and stuff. Yeah. I have the bookish box ones and they're beautiful. Um, But I actually, if you like audiobooks, listen to the audiobook of Kingdom of the Wicked. It is, the narrator does such a beautiful job. It literally makes me wish I could teleport and just be in Italy and look at food and experience because like she she talks details like food and you know the the smell of the oregano and the parsley and i'm like oh i just want to be there you want the food more than anything yeah yeah but actually it's funny because you know how we're talking about like relationships with books i feel like on bookstagram that is definitely like a love hate series like people either love it love it or they hate it and there's like no middle ground with that series there's not no yeah all into the i love it series i love the kingdom of the wicked books um i i'm so excited for the next one like i'm that's probably one of my most it's up there for one of my most anticipated reads it comes out in what september yeah september yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's uh, crazy how quick it's coming yeah i know i'm so excited 
I I love that one. Because I've I've been putting off the new Sarah J Mass read because I'm actually behind because I've I've had my Open University course this year. I haven't gotten to read Kingdom of Ash and I'm like behind on the two sort of thorns. Court of Thorns and Roses ones, mm-hmm. so I'm like, I'm that's my that's my if once I finish my course I can indulge read yeah, and I'm like holding on to it with dear life. Do you but, Crescent City, the two Crescent City books yet? No, I haven't, and I'm holding out for that too because I have them and they're sitting there on my TBR and they're staring at me going, please read me, please read me, and I am like, yeah, I am, I'm dying because I really want to be reading them, but I have to read my university stuff. <laughs> Which series is my favorite out of the three? You know, the, the Throne of Glass yeah. and the Crescent City and the, the... And I don't... Again, it comes down to my mood because it's like, do I want, you know, that fantasy romance of mm-hmm. Akatar? Because I... While Kingdom or Throne of Glass is fantasy, it's, it to me falls into more fantasy versus fantasy romance. Like, yeah. Akatar is fantasy romance. Yeah. Throne of Glass is more fantasy. Um, I would agree, I yeah. Love um, and then I love, I love Crescent City. Uh, Sarah J. Moss is just one of those like detail writers. And I, I enjoy the, the, the heavy detail and the, I like I, that too. Rune, Rune, Run, however we want to say it from Crescent City. Yep. He's top in the book boyfriend list. So when you get there, just know. Oh, I, I'm, I'm dreading it a little bit because of that. I, um, I'm, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I just, um, I'm about to go uh, back into the Raven Boy series by Maggie Stafler. I have the first book, but I haven't read it yet. The first one, I was kind of confused on it. Like, I was almost like, not sure if what was going on. And then the more it went on, it kind of became clearer. So it's kind of one where you've got to put, like, trust into the whole thing. That's kind and of it how was, the Ravens did, um, like flocked Exodus and finish yeah. Line yeah. yeah, and then I went into um, Victoria Aveyard's series. See the um, I have Vespertine by her, but I haven't read it yet. It's the glass one, the the crown. Oh, Red Queen, I think it is. Oh, am I thinking? Of, no, I'm thinking of a different author. Sorry, I confused them. Yeah, Vespertine mm-hmm. by Maggie. Is it not Maggie Stafler? No, I think it is Maggie Stafler. Is that her vespertine? I think that is Maggie Stafler. Yeah, yeah. Are we talking the same author? We are talking the same No, like, I, I, yeah, like, the Raven Boys was the one that I picked up from her, and then I went on to um, the Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. And that's, that to me reminded me a lot of the X-Men, in a -hmm. way. But with like, oh, it's one to try. If you liked Throne of Glass and you just want a little bit more, I would say, action going on, mm-hmm. that one is one to try because it is isn't, more action-y. Isn't Red Queen kind of a mixture of maybe Throne of Glass and Cruel Prince? Yeah, yeah. See, I would definitely say that. My best friend loves the Cruel Prince. I fully support her love. Yeah. I think because I'm older and I tried to read The Girl Prince, I couldn't get into The Girl Prince. I couldn't um, either, but it, it's almost like Victoria finds that way to just kind of turn it so it's not, like, boring 
almost mm-hmm. and it's not just like a pure romance with fantasy in it it's just it's you've got the action and you've got the oh are they going to make it and and would these two finally just fall in love already like yeah. there's a, an element of frustration to it um it's like i've been putting off um betrothed which was i think it's supposed to be like the final uh book in the the search for a new queen for the prince kind of series oh i wish i could remember who wrote that now um i can see the cover but i don't know who yeah it's got like the beautiful girl in the dress and i liked that series because they were so easy to read but mm-hmm. it's kind of like I've been going through this almost because I've been reading stuff for university. I'm like, when I pick up something, I want it to be simple, pure fantasy. I don't need to think about it. I can just, like, almost, like, decompress. Yeah. Because, like, the sort of, like, I've been reading Thomas Harding, um, The Maddening Cry. Far From the Maddening Cry was one of the ones I had to read. And, um, you know, you've got Othello, which was another one we had to read. And... There was it was like a lot of heavy going stuff mm-hmm. that we were reading, and then we were dissecting it. And now I'm on to Ursula, and I'm not a space reader. I struggle with space books. I think I'm not a huge sci-fi reader myself. No, and I'm struggling with it. And has a good, I would almost call it like fantasy sci-fi or paranormal yeah. sci-fi. Have you read anything by Diana Duvall? No, I I've seen it. But it's been like that way where I'm almost like uneasy about picking anything up that's got to do with space. So hers I love because she writes the Immortal Guardian series, which if you yeah. like Ward and you like Kenyon, yeah. you probably would like Diane Duvall too. She, oh, cool. um, she's one of those ones that each book is a couple, but it builds off of a world. And yeah. So the, the, the Immortal Guardian series is you know, vampire-ish series, and then it's got the spin-off series that is actually more sci-fi. But still that fantasy sci-fi, because the Immortal Guardians still play a part into it. Yeah. And I think that's why I can handle that one, because it's not straight sci-fi, but it's, yeah. it's got those fantasy elements, in, or the paranormal elements into it um, that yeah. I do enjoy. But, yeah, it's... Um, Have you read Stardust? I own Stardust. Have you read it? Neil, Neil, Neil uh, Gray, Grayson, Grayman. Yeah, my um, friend Rachel. We had gone to the bookstore when I was back in Utah, and uh, she's like, "You have to read this. You'll love this." So I picked it up, but I haven't read it yet. But it's, it's, it's it was the hardest book I've ever read. Really? Because it's not, it, book, it's not a very big book, but it jumps around so much, and I don't know why I find it so difficult because it is a fairy tale style book. And we were reading it for university, and I was just like, I've seen the film. I had no understanding of the film whatsoever. And I thought, I was a little scared to read the book because I'm like, I didn't like the movie at all. And then I picked up the book and it was like, I was completely lost like 80% of the time. And everybody's like... Not for you right now kind of book. Yeah, and I was like, I felt so bad because here I am doing it for university and I was like I wish I'd, I'd done this at a time where maybe I just finished Sarah J Mass and I needed another fairy tale story you know you know what's funny I hated I hated reading for school mm-hmm. I took like AP English lit classes because I, I like English and stuff yeah um, I hate dissecting but, it too where you have to like purposely look for things 
Yeah, and I hated them telling me what I had to read, I think is what it is. And I think yeah. it comes down to the fact that I'm such a moody reader that I was like, no, if you could give me a genre and I could maybe find something in that genre, I'd probably do okay. But yeah, I hated being like, you need to read Withering Heights right now. And then we've got to take this apart. And I was like, Withering Heights is like sheer torture for me. Like, <laughs> Oh, I, I've, I've done that one as well. I, oh, man. I... My English lit teacher and being like, I, I can read. I can read. I, I, yep. can, at this point, can you give me any other book? <laughs> I just, I couldn't. And then for the life of me, my mom, I remember telling, because I'm obviously a senior in high school and I was doing this. Yep. And I remember going to my mom and I was like, have you read this book? She was like, no. I was like, I need something like this. And she laughed. She laughed at me because I was totally that girl in school that had a couple different novels in my backpack and I would yep. bring it home in class and then like whip out a book. And yep. um, I think that was like the one book I looked at my mom and I was like, I cannot read this. I could and only she- read it with the illustrations. I could what? only read it. I could only read it with the illustrations. I My mom ended up getting me the spark notes because it was like torturing me and it was putting me in such a mood. She was like, okay. Yep. 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 No, my, my, my hubby, thank goodness, helped me. And I found a illustrated version and I read it and I'm so glad I read it before I went into, you know, cause I, I already had notes on it. Cause if you're a book reviewer, you, you end up making notes. You can't help yourself. Um, you do. You do. And you know, if you ever go on any of my Goodreads, um, I, I tend to like put my own personal thoughts first and then I'll share the synopsis of the series or Ooh. the the book, whatever. And like I was saved by the fact that I had made so many notes because I could never have read it a second time round. And it was like I was introduced to a Scottish author called Ali Smith this year and mm-hmm. Hotel World. It is literally a book about people that are connected to this hotel, right? And it is the weirdest pro-gay contemporary book you would ever read. Mm-hmm. Confused the hell out of me. I'm Scottish. I got all of the little like Scottish nudges that you get. If you read a Scottish author, there is Scottish hints in there. I'm sorry. We cannot write it. Yeah. We can't write it without a Scottish hint. I'm and American, but I love... Yeah. Reading that, like, I love the Scottish lore or the Irish lore that ties into books. I tend to be pulled towards books like that anyway, just because I love, I think that's why I've always loved, I love Nora Roberts. Yeah, I like, I love Nora Roberts too, yeah. He's also like one of those feel-good authors for me that I've just read forever. And um, she has a lot of Irish books, actually. And then, yeah. I was also thinking, you would, um... You'll never hear this author, because most Americans, are for, I don't know why, have never heard of her, but her name's Leslie Pierce. And Leslie. you have? You're like yeah. the first person I've sat on this podcast and had a conversation with who knew who Leslie Pierce is. But I gave her a recommendation last night to Sarah about The Gypsy by Leslie Pierce. Mm-hmm. And it's stunning. And it really is, is about this this young woman who ends up having to get on a boat to go to America to make a new life. She's orphaned with her brother. And then they decide, you know, they're going to go to the gold fields. And it's their journey there and all the stuff that happens. And she's such a 
strong woman through the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. I devoured that book, and I was going through a tough time. I was in hospital at the time, but mm-hmm. I it got me through the hospital stay because it was just simply such an easy read. I yeah. wish I didn't have the hardback, though, because, like, hardback in hospital, trying to balance it with drips and stuff in was not the yeah, best that's idea. That's where I, your Kindle comes in handy, for sure. Yep. Yep, I think you know it would have it would have been a smart idea, but um, I just I ended up reading right through it. It was such a good read, and it was so you could almost see America back then. It was like she had actually traveled there, and she tasted the food, and she knew what it smelled like, and she could she just had everything down to a T. You like reading books. No, I'm asking you a question. Like, I'm <laughs> no, that's fine. Do you like reading books like that take place in America, essentially, where you can get the, like the atmosphere here? Yes, and I know that sounds weird because I write American style books, but huh. it's simply because I feel like I grew up in the wrong side of the pond. Like yeah, my, yeah, like my friends say, I'm a secret redneck. I all that. You know, I've always, like, I am always pulled towards, like, Irish, Scottish kind of books. I just love that yeah. So that's why I, I was asked. I was the weird girl at school because I grew up in a Viking community with Viking culture. Mm-hmm. And I loved guns, pickup trucks, and horses. So I stood out like yeah. a real sore thumb. And my mom did everything she could to try and get me to fit in. I went to archery. I went to sports clubs. But I wasn't that kind of... I was the kind of girl that wanted to tailgate, ride horses all day, and then, you know, lounge by a nice fire pit drinking beer. That was me. Like, that was just who I was. And my dad used to joke and say, how is it you're Americanized? Like, when did this happen? And I was like, but dad, I always loved guns and horses and pickup trucks. You just didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, and my partner, he he kind of playfully says that I'm a closeted American. Because <laughs> when we went to LA, like, I could turn my accent off completely. And I have done mm-hmm. in the past. And so we're walking around LA and everyone just assumed I was from Cali. Because if you're yeah. really good in Scotland, you can actually mimic the accents of wherever you go. Because in Scotland, everyone's got a different accent at a different place. Yeah. So you well, so, kind of have so, to learn that, you know. I think people forget that um, with America as well. Because California yeah. is so... You see more of like the California style of America on movies and stuff like yep. that. But that's not the rest of the United States. Exactly. Because um, I'm born and raised... I was raised in Utah. Mm-hmm. And we Utahns definitely have a different accent than you know other other states, other Even states, yeah, states just around us. Because I'm down in New Mexico now, and my husband noticed the other day that I picked up on y'all a little, y'all, a, a yep. lot more than I used to say. And because we're we're by Texas, we, we go to Texas all the time, so yeah, we're right on the Texas New Mexico border, and um, I say y'all a lot more than I used to from Utah, but Utahns tend to drop their T's. Oh, right. So, yes. So instead of mountain, it's mountain. Yeah. Or, um, 
with Utah has a weird spelling on how they say their cities. So there's there's a couple. I had cities. noticed that actually. I did. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So there's a city called Manaway in Utah, yeah. but it's spelled Manitua. Yeah, and there's a city called Tooele in Utah, and it's spelled Tule. And so, yeah, I. But growing up, I said my T's. Yep, and. I got asked all the time where I was from growing up in Utah. And, and yeah. I was like, I'm up here. I've, I've lived in the same house since I was five years old. Like, yep. No, here. I had this, I had the same problem. I grew, I spent like half my time in a city called Aberdeen. And then mm-hmm. I spent the other half of the time in Shetland. And they too do speak completely different. They have different dialects. They have different words. Yeah. And it would be like, I would go down there for a day and then I would start talking like I was from Aberdeen. And then I'd have to go back to Shetland and I have to talk Shetland to my Shetland friends. Yeah. And it was such a nightmare because in Shetland, everything's I and Duquesne. So mm-hmm. like you had to put that at every sentence. So when I moved to Glasgow, oh, my partner was going to like strangle me because every time I was hanging out with his family, I would say, Duquesne, Duquesne. And he was like we don't say that down here, <laughs> you know, it's like, it drove him crazy, or, like, everything was I, you know, like, you would just say I, which meant yes, yeah. to, you know, to everything, and, yeah, it drove him crazy, it took me so long to drop all that, and, like, we didn't say our T's either, so everything was, like, butter, or what, or, um, was it, if you were saying going, it was, I'm ging, I'm ginging, yeah. So it was like all these different words and I, I took so long to kind of like just get rid of it. And then because we lived in the East End for a while, I started picking up a lot of East End slang. <laughs> so I was like just throwing it out randomly at you and be like, that's not what that's for. And you said that wrong and don't ever say that again. And, you know, because it was it was just such a crazy different experience. Yeah. yeah I, I love listening to the different. Um, dialects that people have when they talk though. I think it's really fun. I love it too. Yeah. Is being able to talk to people not just from Utah or not just from New Mexico where I'm at, but talking to people all over the world. And I've become really good friends with a girl in Germany and, you know, we'll do a video chat with another friend that's up in Canada. So like I'm in America, she's in Germany, she's in Canada and we do a video chat with three of us, you know, a couple, every couple months. And it's, I, I just love that. Like, I don't know, bookstagram brought together more of the world for me. Yeah. And I think during the pandemic, that was like really the case because it was a case of just this whole other world had opened up and we yeah. were all at home. Like, I mean, lockdown was for everybody is at one point or another. So, yeah. and I was, I was high risk. So when they realized I was high risk, I just got like told stay at home. And I was like, what am I going to do with myself? I read a lot, a lot yeah. last year. And it was good because it was almost like I had that escape. I could go on bookstagram. I could see like your feed and other people's feed. And it kept my spirits up a lot. And especially like I was really ill at certain points of it. And it just, it was that one place I could go and go like, oh yeah, I'm really enjoying this. This is fun. So which is the darkest book that you've read this year so far? And what's the book you've loved the most this year? Um, darkest as far as like dark romance or like dark 
elements for the book. You could have it like you could do dark elements or dark romance. It's your pick. Um, I don't read a ton of dark romance, but I did read. I tried to read um, Hooked. Oh right. Dark romance, I I just don't think dark romance is really like my thing. Because I had a lot of friends that were loving it. And yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. Um, but as far as like dark elements. It's a tough question when you read a lot and you have to review stuff, yeah. I've already read 47 books this year, so I'm like, what? Wow, you're way ahead of me. I I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, I would actually probably say The Black Witch Chronicles. Oh, Um, okay. Not dark in the sense of, like, dark in the sense that while it's a fantasy book, it was actually... Some of the concepts and things that were happening are very relatable. Um, yeah. You know, the have you read the Black Witch Chronicles? No, I haven't. It, it's on my TBR. It's an incredible series. It's, in fact, I have not been in the best frame of mind to finish Demon Tide. I want to, and it's there, and I own it. It's actually my fingers. Right? Yep. Right um, but... I know it's really heavy. I guess yeah. heavy is a better way to explain these books. Um, yeah. It's a lot of like, in a way, there's there's ways that can relate to this, what's going on in the world today. Yeah. Um, while it's a fantasy book, you know, the, the Gardenarians, essentially in The Black Witch, are kind of this fanatical society like religiously and just that they think they're a little bit superior to other races and you know that that's happening now you you have Mm -hmm. fanatical religions and you have fanatical um cultures that that think they're better than everybody else instead of just letting everybody be individuals yeah Um, it's it's crazy how bad that is right now yeah yeah so i was reading in fact i think it was I can't remember if it was Iron Flower or Shadow Wand, either book two or book three. And I ended up messaging Jen, Bound Hobbies. I think it was Jen that I messaged. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to cry. I just want to cry for, like, people mm-hmm. that that have experienced this, you know. Yeah. I, you know, whether it's you're being judged by the color of your skin or, you know, you, the culture you were raised in. I, I grew up being from Utah. I was yeah. not the typical religion that is Utah. And I yeah, felt I, I I know about the Mormons. <laughs> they're they're a thing here too. So yeah, so I, I'm not Mormon, and um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of prejudice against me because I have tattoos and and yep. things like that. And uh, I can relate in that sense. But then also mm-hmm. there was things in this book that was happening that like. So I am I'm actually um, Native American. My dad is Native American, but I'm very oh, white cool. passing. Yeah. Most people don't guess that I am native when they look at me because I'm so fair. Um, but funnily enough, that that's not how I tell. It's usually by the bone structure because, like, see here in Scotland, there's a lot of people that are you know have Indian blood in them, like you know from the country India, and mm-hmm. you can tell by their bone structure. So yes. I actually learned really early on, like how to tell where somebody was from by like the contours of their faces and stuff. Yeah, I get told it once they know that about me, they'll say they'll mention my cheekbones or like the. Yeah, I did notice that, and I was like, I wonder if she is, and I thought, no, I'm not gonna guess in case I get it really wrong, 
because Ian said to me like the other day, like you need to stop trying to guess where people are from because you get it so wrong. And I'm like, it's mostly accents. I try and guess accents and I get the accents wrong, but I get the faces right. I get a lot of accents wrong. So a lot of times, like I'll just open the conversation of like, hey, where are you from? Yep. Not to be like, rude or, like anything like that. But um, just because I'm, I'm, I'm such a curious person by nature too, that I want to learn. Like that yeah. was one of the most exciting things for me moving out of Utah because Utah is kind of it's very much like a bubbled state. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that. I did hear that a lot. Yeah, I, I, there is a lot of good to Utah, and there's a lot of you know, just like everywhere, there's the good and the bad. Yeah, um, I think Utah is a very, very beautiful state landscape wise. It's a very yeah, it state. is, it is. Um, but I actually was really glad to move my children out of Utah and let them experience more diverse cultures in other places because I and experience to- the world too. Yeah. 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 I want them to see more of the world because then it, it also helps them be more understanding of people. You know, I grew and rounded, up. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't have a lot of diversity in the schools that I went to growing up, but my grandparents lived up on the reservation. So oh, right. like summertime would go yeah. up on the reservation and I would see how different the world was, you know, in the reservation versus where I was growing up in, you know, a white suburban neighborhood. Yeah. And, um, I feel like in a way that helped, helped me have more empathy and acceptance of people being different. And, um, sorry. That's okay. Um, but no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy because I, as I said, I grew up in this tiny little island where, you know, I didn't realize how xenophobic it was till like mm-hmm. I sort of looked around me and I was like, oh my gosh, we're so xenophobic. We we get so scared about new people coming in and and stuff like that. I learned that there was like a huge wide world out there. And almost the minute that I realized there was a big world out there and I, I understood everybody and I, I have like this really high level for empathy and sympathy um it was like I got itchy feet and I wanted to go everywhere and I wanted to see everything but then there was this little part of me that was scared to go because I had lived on this same island my entire life my family was all from there so like when I went to Los Angeles I have lots of friends in LA um I was like I jumped at every noise because it was a completely different like and the city so sounded different and the, everybody like drove with their horns like I don't know how deaf I was within the first was it four hours we were there because everyone was leaning on their horns and I'm like oh wow that's loud you know and then we stayed in a hotel that was right by the freeway and then there was cars that would backfire and I would just jump out of my my skin because I, I was thinking <laughs> gunshots you know and um and then, of course, my first night there, me and my hubby had just been just gone to bed, and there was an earthquake. Now, yeah, growing up in Scotland, there's we don't get many of those. In fact, we get none of those. So I'm like, oh my god, the ceiling is going to come in, or you know what I mean? Like you just have this end of the world kind of feeling. And if you're a reader, you definitely have it. So I'm like braced in the bathroom doorway, going, oh. And my husband's hubby just literally went said. Um, I'm going back to sleep and he rolled over my bed to sleep and I'm the only one that was sitting at the doorway like an idiot just thinking oh this is terrible we even saw our first forest fire when we were over there which was crazy um 
because we yeah. don't get forest fires here very very often they're so rare so that so was funny. A- don't realize that so the western part of the americas is desert it's high desert yeah. even california and utah they're mm-hmm. considered desert states yep. and we get a lot of fires like utah gets really bad fires just like california and yeah I don't know. It was, was eye opening for me for sure because I'm like, wow! There's like you know we're driving back from the zoo. It's our last day there, and it, it we had a heat wave the entire time we were there. Yeah. And I just looked over at Ian, and we literally maybe got in the door like five minutes, and I turned on the like the TV, and it was instantly on the news channel because we, if you lived if you're in LA, you have to know the traffic because you can't you go anywhere. It's so bad. And so I had the traffic channel on for the news and it came up forest fire at the, you know, at the zoo, LA Zoo. And I was like, how crazy is that? We left literally just as it was starting and we had seen the fire trucks go by, but we hadn't thought anything of it because, you know, we're from the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd gone back to the hotel and, and it was so crazy. And I'm like, I hope that doesn't go like out of control and we don't get out of LAX tomorrow. Because I like I was fearing like the big sm- like clouds of smoke and something or not being able to fly home. And I'm like, oh, no. But it, yeah, it was such a good experience. My husband didn't enjoy it, but I loved every minute of it. Um, mm-hmm. I would move to America in a heartbeat if I could afford it. But with my arthritis probably not um but yeah like i totally totally loved it and it was i i would recommend like i i want to take my kids everywhere once i get the opportunity yeah so that's like one of the rules is to travel more with our children yeah and i think it's good for every kid to travel like i did a lot of teaching and stuff and it's so important for kids to travel and experience the world so which Mm -hmm. is the most hyped up book that you've ever reviewed like it just didn't resonate with me yeah like like if you'd seen it a lot and then you read it and then you were like oh I need to review this now and I'm just not really sure how to probably the bargainer series actually it's just not um I read the first rhapsodic I think is book one I read it um it wasn't for me and I didn't leave a bad review, but I did comment um, as a mm-hmm. review that I wish I would have known the trigger warnings going into that book because there was no yeah. trigger warnings before. And I'm a big um, advocate for trigger warnings on books. I think they're so important. am I. Yeah. Um, and that that book actually had some big triggers for people, and mm-hmm. I read it, and it wasn't like a horrible book, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't for me. I think no. that one's and I. That one gets recommended actually a lot on um, because I do love paranormal romance and it falls yeah. in that normal genre. So like when I ask you know questions on my bookstagram and stuff, uh, I do see that it gets it gets mentioned a lot. And a lot of times I just for me when a book is not for me, I just don't interact with the book. If yeah. that makes sense, like I won't I won't encourage the the recommendation or whatever. Versus if it's something that I've read, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I loved it. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I had but that I experience with um, Christine Freeman's one. There's I can't remember mm-hmm. if it was book two or book three in her vampire series, the Campanthian series. Yeah, they're very that, wordy books. Yeah, and she like there was no trigger warnings on it at all. And I picked it up, 
And then I was, I read it and it was like, I'd gone through some really horrendous stuff. And I was just like triggered so bad with that. And I thought, oh my God, like, what have I just read? And it totally traumatized me. I couldn't read another book for, I think it was three or four days. I didn't read anything. I think too, the thing with trigger warnings is when you know going, like if you have a, you know, a whatever particular trigger it is in your life, going into that book doesn't necessarily mean, like for me, it doesn't necessarily mean I won't read it, but at least going into it, I'm mentally prepared for it. Yeah. You're mentally prepared and and, and you, you know, you kind of go into it saying, okay, this is, this is a book I need to be careful of. Like I would have liked the trigger warning for the Diana Mm -hmm. Gilberton series you know, the Outlander series, that the first, yeah, the, the, it was, and I felt bad because I ended up having a conversation with her on Twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, everyone was going on about how good her Scottish was. And I'm like, no, it's not. You've got the <laughs> wrong dialect in the wrong area. And I had, she's going on about how she's got all these people from Scotland that's on her team and stuff. And I'm like, I don't care if you've, you're writing in a set area, but you're using the dialect from a different area. I yeah. said, it's very subtle differences. And unless you've lived in that area, you can't get it, you can't get it right. And it's, right. A, it's one of the reasons that when I did the Carla series, I only wrote it in Shetland because I know how Shetlanders mm-hmm. are. Yeah. So like and I I do recommend that one to you if you ever get a chance to read it. This okay. the Carla one cuz it's it's really good. Uh, so I'm told. But like it is it's got like that real choose to the play Scottishness and there's like so many people that I go into wards with or I'm in like the day wards with for treatment for my arthritis and they will be like oh my god, they got the Scottish wrong. Or you get an Irish person who will suddenly just throw a book across the room because they're so screwing up the Irish, like words or their little trick, like, you know, or it'll be just like things that are well known about them, but it's wrong. Um, I've, yeah. And yeah, like I, I actually hate when people tear apart, they see like a typo in a book. Oh gosh, that drives me nuts. Over a typo. And I'm like, but overall, did you enjoy the story? Like, isn't yeah. that the important part? Like, so there wasn't a comma or a word was misspelled. Like, skip it, move on, and let's, you know, yeah. did you enjoy the story? I mean, I I, I've had to dodge a lot of books over the years. <laughs> and being in a, like, I, I lent a friend a book. Um, She was in with me, and she got, she was Indian. And this, I just didn't click that this was an Indian book. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I see is it's flying by the side of my face because, like, she was she so was so mad at the way that it had been written, it flew by my head, and I'm like, okay, I'll take that one, and you can have the fantasy one. <laughs> and then she read the fantasy, and she was fine. But it was just like that instant; it was so wrong that she just flipped. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So when. It comes to, like, your inspiration for your Instagram videos. What, like, what really got you into it? And what does your partner think about your collection of videos and books? I think... So I like to do reels that kind of resonate with me or that I... I really like to lip sync to songs mostly because I have a hard time... 
well, I think I have a hard time like um, being really creative with reels. I mean, sometimes I, sometimes things just spark a spark in my head, but um, I think it's at the end of the day, it has to just like resonate with me or like how I feel about a book or I don't know. A lot, a lot of mine are just like songs that I lip synced to because it made me think of a book or something. I do that too. Like I'll, I'll be randomly um, reading something and then I'll hear a song and I'll be like, oh, that is so the song to that book. Yeah. And I end up just like, I can't think of anything else while that song is playing except for that book. It's like, right. ah, but it's fun. As far as, as far as my husband, I had, um, I had one reel, I've had a couple reels go viral, um, but yeah. one reel had over a hundred thousand views and I, wow, I ended up having a panic attack about it actually. Oh, um, really? Yes. Because there is something that's kind of scary in a way mm -hmm. about that many people seeing your face. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what had sent me like, oh my gosh, because I, I, if I could have a superpower, I would be invisible to be honest. Like I have, mm -hmm. I don't crave the attention. Um, no. I'm very introverted. I'm, I'm good being like, I'm talking to people one-on-one -on -one or, yeah. you know, small group settings, but I get really bad social anxiety in big group settings. And so then Same. I, yep. I was telling my husband, I was like, this is a lot of people that have seen my face and I'm like hyperventilating about it. Um, but overall, my husband is, he's such a good support. And um, as far as my bookstagram, I think each person runs their bookstagrams differently. You know, it's whatever works yeah. for them. But my bookstagram is not my main life. I have fun on bookstagram and I want to mm. keep it fun, but it's not... Um, my biggest priority. I'm a mom no. and, and yeah. my children are my biggest priority. So for me, like the way I run my bookstagram is I batch photos and I batch reels. Like I'll pick a day where I don't have anything going and I'll, you know, just do a whole pile. Photos. Yeah. Yeah. That's why if you see my reels, you'll notice those like a row of pictures that where I'm dressed all the same or my hair is styled the same. And yeah. then like the next little set of pictures or, or reels are the same. Um, and then same thing, I batch pictures and I actually did a reel the other day telling people how I cheated, not cheated my way through bookstagram, but kind of cheated my way through bookstagram in the sense that like, I will take a picture when I'm batching photos for that month. Cause I do it a month yep. in advance. Um, when I'm taking a picture for the month, I actually take a picture of blank of my Kindle so that oh, I can right. drop covers onto my blank Kindle. Oh, um, so it's not like, so if I get a new book or I read something else that maybe, you know, my mood set is like, cause I'm moody reader that yeah. maybe I didn't take a picture of before I can put that cover on my Kindle or whatever it is to, you know. Yeah. It's easier that way. Yeah. Do a review on it on my page. So. Yeah. That's, that's actually good to know. Cause I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, you did, you have to like slot at a set time every day to do stuff. Like. I'm terrible for my Instagram because I don't post every day. Um, and I had a long period of time where I didn't post at all because I was ill. But I like, if I'm reading something and I'll be like, okay, I'll just like click something. Or if I'm like crafting because that's my chill out thing, then I'll like snap a picture or something like that. Just so it's different so that they're like, it's not all books all the time or it's not all book boxes all the time. Like that's what I do. And my Instagram is more fun for me. Because yeah. the books is like, 
you know, like, the books is a professional thing I have to do, but then, like, I just like to have the fun. And that's what I'm doing, like, like, I don't have, a like, an Instagram for my, my podcast because my podcast is going to be, like, my life, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's why I'm tying it to my actual Instagram. And it's going yeah. to be that kind of fun where I'm going to maybe post, like, when it starts coming out, I'm going to post, like, a picture for every guest as they come out but I'm going to do that in a batch so like all of May I'll just do a batch and then all of June I'll have a batch and I'll just take one day and I'll just do it and it's so much easier that way like that's how I used to run uh, my Twitter was I would write all the tweets for the month and then if I had like a different thought on that day I could send out the tweet uh, like at a you know just off my phone and that was a godsend but see when that all those platforms to help you like pre-plan your social media started failing oh it was awful for me oh oh, awful I post whatever resonates that day um on my bookstagram I go quiet a lot of weekends or quieter on weekends um because my family's home yeah exactly yeah summertime I'm also quieter than I am during the year because like I do have, I am a stay-at-home mom, and so, you know, between cleaning and doing things around the house, you know, I could pop a picture on Instagram or, you know, Mm -hmm. tell a funny story like I did this morning about uh, my audiobook starting while I was in the Starbucks line. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But. I think that's all happened to us at some point. Or, (laughs) like, I had it do it to me. I was, I was sitting, um, I thought my headphones were connected to my computer, yeah. And it was just happened to be a very kind of steamy uh, scene started playing and then I freaked out and I was trying to like turn it off and y- yep, yep. And it did not work. And the nurse was like, so what are you listening to? And I'm like, oh, I used to get super embarrassed over my love of, of smut and now at this point in my life, like my book started at Starbucks this morning and it was, it's. I'm re- I'm currently listening to Electric Idol by Katie Robert, and Katie right. Robert writes, you know, some spicy spicy scenes. Spicy and it was stuff, yeah. Mid detail, and the the girls on the speaker started to laugh, and I was like, "Well, my book started, so hold on one second. Like, yep. At this point, I've just kind of accepted that. I don't, and I've gotten a lot of messages where uh, people have told me like I inspired them to just accept that it's okay to read whatever makes it them is. Happy. It is okay. It I is. mean, I write it. I write it, so why should I be embarrassed about listening to it? I mean, I... I... It's not like I'm 12 reading, and not, I mean, teach their own, but I'm not a 12-year-old girl reading, you know, a super erotic novel. I'm a grown woman, and if that's what makes me happy, then that's what makes me happy. Well, that, that, I mean, that's, that's what I say, because, like, I tell my, my, my family, don't read it, because if you don't like smut, you're not gonna like it. And I'm very open and honest with them about that. And that's why a lot of them don't touch my stuff. But like for when I did Summer of Him, it was, I was almost got like free reign to just go crazy with it. Mm -hmm. And I loved it because it's an erotic author at an erotic romance convention falling in love with a guy that wrestles in his underpants. How is that not going to be spicy? I'm, I'm here for it. Sounds like yeah, I need to write. You know, and and that's what I I was saying to people. I'm like, it's not like I go out of my way to write smut. You know, sometimes the story just calls for it, and you just got to go with the flow. So I did get 
um, a couple messages. They, cause I was encouraging people to read, you know, whatever makes them happy. Yep. And I got told that I was evil and I was going to hell for encouraging people to read these books. I, I just so laugh I, at that. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I've gotten to that age in my life where I'm like, Dude, if, you, if this is what you could do with your spare time, then good on you, but you're you're not going to shame me into this. Well, that's so why I was venting about it to one of my friends on Bookstagram. His name is Lewis, and um, he's like, that's it. You are now the evil smut queen of Instagram. Like, that's just going to be your name. <laughs> that's um, so going to stick as well. You know what? I like it. Like, if I'm the evil smut queen, which is funny because I don't even think – you know, I have some friends that they're really into the dark romance and stuff like that. And I love it for them. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's funny that they came at me because I, you know, I love my spicy Lorelai James books. Like they're yep. some of my absolute favorite reads. And whenever I'm in a, a book funk, that is who I pick up. I always pick up one of Lorelai James's book, whether it's yep. her Rough Rider series, which is a cowboy series. You talk about Western and trucks and yep. and stuff. Have you read Lorelai James yet? I am going to. She's on my list. I'm actually going to try Gunslinger. Um, somebody actually gave me that the other day. And okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm holding my breath because I, I want it to be really, really good. But then I'm like kind of scared it's not going to be because I've been reading Diane Palmer, who did uh-huh. uh, who did the Cowboy series. Um, and I love her Cowboys because they're just, they're bad, yeah. but they're so good at the same time. Lorelai James's Cowboys. So I actually grew up on the border of Wyoming. Oh, and right. Cowboy series takes place in Wyoming. Uh-huh. And I can, I get it. Like it, it's, it's very relatable. It's, it's, it is what it is. And yep. My husband, I'm pretty sure that's how my second daughter came to be was because of Lorelai James. I, I would, I would agree that that's a good possibility considering you know, her <laughs> reputation and everything. Yes. I I mean I just love it. Um, Books I got called like evil, and then we ran with the evil smut queen. And um, someone's so going to send you a crown now with like a note saying to the evil smut queen. Yeah, well, my friend Nick, um, he's an artist, and I helped. Like he ran a competition to help pick like his new Instagram handle or whatever, and I helped him pick it. Uh, Goody reads is his Instagram. Yeah, and. So he, I won an art piece from Nick and he's like, what are we going to do? He's like, maybe we should do your, cause we're friends. And he's like, maybe yeah. we should do your book boyfriend. So which one do you want? And he's, he stopped for a second. He was like, evil smut queen. Let's do them all. And he drew <laughs> me an art piece. It's on my Instagram. If you guys yep. scroll down, but, and I made a reel about it actually. Um, he drew me on a throne as the evil smut queen in this green dress with my tattoos out. And then uh, you've read Akatar. So, mm-hmm. you know, the scene where Reese is sitting on the arm of the chair and Feyre's on the throne. Yep. So Nick drew my husband sitting on the arm of the throne with me yep. and all my book friends around me. Oh, Lorelei that's so James, cool. Lorelai James, a couple of her characters made it on there. Rage is on there. Yeah. Um, Axe. Acts from uh, J.R. Ward is also on there. Let's see, who else? Asriel, Rowan. Your kingdom of uh, book oh. boyfriends. Yes, and it's my favorite. Like, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. So I just kind of joke, like, evil smut queen. I'll, I'll take that. And then it's good, it's good to have, it, like, a nickname because, like, um, I always get 
I get spitfire whenever I'm around the wrestlers. I'm spitfire. Because I usually, if they get me going, I don't stop. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm a bit like a dog with a bone sometimes with them. So they always laugh and joke and say, oh, no, here comes Spitfire. Let's just, like, pretend she's not here and she might go away. So, like, <laughs> you know, and and it's only because usually if I'm around, something funny really happens to them. So, like, they're kind of, like, oddly aware. But they didn't actually know at the time, my last time I was hanging out with them, they didn't know about my crazy fans, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of sitting around having a laugh and a joke with them. And one of my readers comes running up to me and she'd read all my books and she had won these prizes and they were kind of embarrassing prizes for adults. And like, yeah, let's just, let's go with that. (laughs) And so she drops them on the table and she's like, sign them, sign them, sign them. So I, I signed them like being like the good author person. I signed them. And then I could see my friend's face across the table and he was so, so embarrassed. I literally picked it up and said, right, your turn. And I threw it into his lap. And it was like, you would have thought it had cooties or something. He kind of just picked it up, like really gingerly, he set it on the table. He picked up the pen, just like, just as... Yeah, like, I, I need gloves for this kind of thing. And then he signed it. And of course, our other friend, he's dying. He's just he's trying so hard not to laugh out loud because like they all knew that my stuff got spicy and then he just like picks it up by the corner and throws it into my other friend's lap and he just scout the scowl that came on his face was so funny so he did the same thing picked it up like he was gonna get cooties and he signed it and she ran away she thought it was the best experience ever (laughs) and they turned to me and they went right we need vodka to cleanse our souls from your contamination. <laughs> I was like, gee, thanks. So I had to go up to the bar and get um, Red Bulls and vodkas all around. <laughs> she must have walked away with like 15 signatures that night from like all my friends because we were all at one table. So yeah. Like when fandoms come up with nicknames for authors too, like the Zodiac Academy books. The uh, Carolyn Peckham and Susan Valenti, they're sisters. And so the nickname out is like the Twisted Sisters. And I, yeah. I love the nicknames for authors and like McQueen for Sherilyn Kenyon. And um, I, I yeah. just wish I hadn't got named after a plane, though. That's my only thing. Spitfire is a plane? Yeah, it's a plane. It's a World War II plane. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know. Is that, was that a British plane or the Spitfire? Yeah, it was a British plane. I was checking because my history's not that great. <laughs> my 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 friend, my friend, oh, sorry, my partner is just literally face planted his uh, face with his hand because he's like, "Oh my gosh, Crystal, that's like you should know that." <laughs> my my husband knows more about history than I do, so I check in with with him I, I I check in with because I think I know history, and then I'll say something, and he will look at me as if to say that's the stupidest thing you've ever said. Yeah. And I'll be like, oops, like I, you know, I get the Cold War wrong all the time and he has to correct me and, and I don't know tanks and I don't know planes. So. I have to check in with my husband like, wait, what was this one? Yeah. 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 I'm terrible. So uh, yeah, there, but there's a quite a few moments that Ian will go, 
really did you just say that and then i have to like i i get that awkwardness of i think oh oh so so are you when you like decompress and you're just having fun are you a crafter or do you like have another hobby that you do to just kind of like chill out and relax um like reading is probably my biggest hobby um yeah also taking up like painting edges of my books all Um, right i've made funko pops for some of my book characters that like that's kind of been a little thing um back in utah i liked to hike um i'm not i don't live in the mountains anymore so there's not really hiking close by me here but yeah um my family is we like to be outside quite a bit and so we're outside playing and um my husband and I coach what we can for our kids like their teams and stuff so like right now it's softball season so we're when I'm not reading I'm basically coaching softball (laughs) Um, yeah no that that's understandable yeah um for me it's like I do cross stitch because it's like the easiest thing for me to like chill, and yeah, I can totally like get away with it. My mom cross stitch beautiful. In fact, this is like my wedding sampler right here behind my head. Oh, that is so um, cute. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a sucker though because like I grew up with my my grandmother was a professional knitter from the age of eight. So like mm-hmm. it was like lady, you are going to be ladylike, and you're going to have all these ladylike things implanted in your brain, whether you want them or not. And she really was like that with me. She's like, I was a wild child. I was really spirited and wild, and she was like determined that I was going to be able to sit and have a cup of tea without spilling it, and I could pour tea for people, and I would have all these like great abilities that you would expect of a lady. Um, and yeah so she she really instilled that in me so like embroidery was one of the things that I had to just you mastered or you just got shouted at really so I, I yeah between a cross stitch and the sew but it just wasn't for you it wasn't thing I'm not super athletic um like I would not consider myself an athletic person at all but there was a few sports that I enjoyed growing up so I played I played tennis growing up and I played softball um I like to hike. Yeah, that's kind of the extent of my sportiness right there. But um, So here's the question that I ask everyone that kind of throws them. Where's your favorite place to cuddle up and read? Is it like a garden? Do you have like, we here in Scotland, because it rains so much, we have conservatories. Because it's mm-hmm. like the only place you can sit outside but not get wet. So that's our favorite places to sit and read. So is yours like a garden or fire pit or? I'd like to curl up in my bed a lot and read or yeah. I'm not in my bed. Um, I actually like to take a chair out front. I have like a little lounge chair that I sit in my front yard and my kids will be riding their bikes or rollerblading or playing outside. And yeah. I actually just sit on my front lawn and watch them play. There's something about the sound of them playing. Also, while I'm reading. I, I enjoy that. Um, yeah. I love the sound of children's laughter. So I would just say my front lawn when my kids are being kids. Well, we've gone to the fun part of the show where we're going to do the word association game. Okay. So this is this. So don't don't freak out about this because I just like put words out there, and if you want to tie them to books, or if you just say the first thing that comes to your mind, that's cool. That's just generally how we do this. Um, so my first one is fresh whipped cream. Angel food cake. That is an interesting one. Mincemeat pies. I've never had one. 
You've never had a mince meat? Oh, yeah, I suppose they're not really big in the America, are they? Uh, fries. Are we talking chips or fries? Fries, I'm saying, like, yeah, there would the- be chips for you, and, like, yeah. So it'd be like. Um, so if it's chips for me, I am not. I'm more of a sweet versus savory. Uh, I don't eat a lot of chips. So you, okay, the next one is toffee like you know the first melted toffee syrup stuff that you get on cake sometimes symphony candy bar milk chocolate toffee in it uh okay let's see chocolate love it an addict straight up chocolate addict Actually, <laughs> I, I i have those moments too as well um and it's bun cakes was the other one what is a bun cake a bun cake is like it looks like a roll like an, a bread roll, but instead okay. it's got like fresh whipped cream in the middle and then it's got sticky white icing on the outside. I don't think I've ever had that either. Oh, they're oh, they're amazing. You need to come to Scotland and try all of our delicacies. We have so many cakes. Yeah. Everything is like fresh cream and custard in it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I I will yeah. I will definitely try that if I come when I come to when what? I come to Scotland. Yeah, when, when. But you can actually get a lot of the Scottish um, bakery stuff online. So, like, you can actually, like, if you put it into YouTube, it'll tell you, like, how to make mincemeat pies and how to make fruitcake and all these, like, really good things. But I will warn you, if you eat them, they're, like, really filling. I think Mm -hmm. people don't realize how filling they are. Then they're like, whoa. When I think of a mincemeat pie, I almost think of, like, a chicken pot pie. It kind of is like that. You've got, like, the... You've got a sweet pastry, and then it's, like, dried fruit, and it's got, um, it's, like, done in, like, sugar and butter, so you, like, mix all that, yeah, and it's, like, it's so sweet, but it's, like, really good at the same time, and there's no mints in it, right? It's, it's, it's a deceiving name, but yeah, no, it's a really good one. You should, uh, you should look it up sometime. There's hundreds of recipes. But uh, if you look it up sometime, you can actually get the, um, they send mincemeat to the States quite a lot. And you can get it in like the wor- uh, world food stores. I don't know if you know. I know that I know them in LA, but I don't know if, what they're called elsewhere. Um, some in Utah. I don't know where some is close to me now. But yeah. Yeah. And they're really good because they have lots of like Scottish delicacies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you would really like haggis. There's quite a fiery kick to that. Haggis. I've never had haggis. Yeah, you could make that in the oven, and it's it's really good. Um, but just don't don't read what it's made of. Okay. <laughs> I always say that if you like something Scottish, don't read how it's made. Um, so that's our time, guys. It's been a lot of fun being on with our book influencer Kay, and I h- highly recommend you guys uh, check her out on Instagram. You can easily find her through this podcast. I will have her links up. And uh, let's uh, all meet next week to hear what Shirley Cannon has to say about her new book. I'll have all the inside scoop. So have a good one, guys, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you.